Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. And Mailbag's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm still Judah. I uh, remain Judah. Ma- do we, we got mail? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, let's get to it, I guess. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we could have gone with some what have you been up to lately uh therapy bullcrap but life's already too dark man let's no just, it's fine let's we'll, just get we'll, into it we'll just punch in yeah yeah, do it. yeah mailbag my, my brother, brother day. Day. i did that that's my drop oh back on march 9th ryan wrote in at brother date i can't let myself believe that it just sits there his his concern with fecal matter in the holodeck remains so he's sure there is no one to come through and clean it up that it gets automatically well cleaned i mean you say that but his very next tweet to us was just a picture of someone vacuuming the bridge set Mm. and with the caption join starfleet they said you'll experience so many wonderful adventures traveling on a starship i mean someone's got to clean that thing unless the ship's if the ship can auto carpet clean without the use of roombas because we would have seen one by now that's pretty cool I don't know how it does it. Love to see that technology. It's true. We haven't seen it. We haven't seen one Maybe. of those little, um, the little, like the little droids that you see in Star Wars. Little uh, mouse droids. Yeah, little, little mouse, mouse droids. droids. One of those would be going around cleaning the carpet. But we ain't never seen none. What if uh, at the end of uh, the third shift they just peel up all the carpet and put it in a big replicator, and then they just put down a new carpet <laughs> before the first shift comes on? <laughs> someone's job is. Just like uh, uh, people today, you have to lay the basketball court before, you know, like the, they had a hockey game and then they they got a basketball game tomorrow, so they got to go out there and lay the court down. It's like that, but every single day they got to lay down new carpet. I mean, it might be once a week. I don't know that it's every day, but maybe that's what they do. Maybe. Maybe they don't have a mouse droids that vacuum the ship. Yeah. <clears throat> we ain't never seen, like, Spot riding around on a Roomba or anything. No, that's what I'm saying. We would have seen one by now. We've seen a lot of Star Trek at this point, and I ain't seen one Roomba, which is something that's kind of weird that they didn't anticipate about the future. But Star Trek in general is really super free of robots. Maybe it's like, because then you have to think about whether they're people. And they in Star occur, Wars, they don't really care about that. Exactly. They occur five or six times in TOS, pretty much always as antagonists. Sometimes sexy antagonists. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, then Data, but he's a, a very clearly a one-off except for his own evil brother. Sure. Uh, then nothing, nothing, nothing. And then in, I guess season six, because it ain't come up yet, we're going to get exocomps. But that's, that's it. Maybe it's an exocomps job to clean the carpets. I mean, maybe. They're kind of room by. If they're big, if they're big little feats, 
could have vacuums in them, maybe. Well, we know they have a self-replicating thing on the front to, like, make attachments, whatever tool they they need or whatever. They just put one of those crevice tools on and do the whole ship. Yeah, or maybe they got one on their feet, too, and they can turn their feet into a big Roomba and they just ride around. Maybe. I don't know. Um... You know, it's hard to say what's real and what isn't about Exocomp, since the only uh, the only actual Exocomp character in the series is Peanut Hamper from Lower Decks. <laughs> and you don't, you kind of don't want to believe that all of the Exocomps behave like Peanut Hamper. Yeah, Peanut Hamper's a fucking animal. Yeah. So, yeah, just the ones in the episode with the Exocomps and then Peanut Hamper, for sure. Yeah. They did not choose to bring them back in um, Deep Space Nine or Voyager, huh? No, um... Isn't it weird, though? They got iPads right, but they didn't get Roombas. They didn't pick that one off. They half got iPads right. If you went to work with six different iPads, each of which had one document open on it, and you were just like, listen, it's too much fucking work to close it or change it to a new document, so I just carry a bunch of them. Or they only have the storage capacity for, like, one of these documents, so I just, I gotta have 15 with me at all times, and then I just, like, it's like closing tabs. I gotta delete the ones I don't need anymore so I can... (laughs) So I could use yeah. them again. Every time the seven inch Kindle Fire is on sale for forty dollars, I buy one, and then I just kind of have a different book open on each one all the time. <laughs> just carry them all around in my little bag. Yeah, just have a, they clack together, but it don't matter. They're only forty dollars. I walk into the office and I just spread them all over my desk. I just throw them down. They spill everywhere, and I go, "God, I'm so busy," but no one ever notices. <laughs> I'm always hoping someone's going to come over. So that's I mean, they sort of got the iPad right. In that regard. That's true. Yeah. And they're still they're still ahead of us on uh instant communication technology. Sure, and uh, you know, Holodeck's still better than current VR, though people are saying uh Gran Turismo in VR is pretty good. Uh well I mean that's the uh that's Heather Ann Campbell's take on get played for sure. Yeah. She is very excited to drive around in that. Uh Gran Turismo's could... hard though, so I don't yeah, know that's how the I problem. feel about it. I could see that. I'd rather play uh, Forza Horizon 5 in it. Yeah, it'd probably still be fun to do VR in our in our arcade style game. It wouldn't have to be a a hardcore simulator. That's my imagination, but uh, I don't know. Uh, VR, until they got one that's just like called the Never Puke 5000, I got to <laughs> stay away from VR entirely because... Yeah. I even just to play the regular game Sea of Thieves, I have to play it in a little window on my desktop. I can't play it me- maximized on yeah, my twenty-seven inch monitor. Don't need to be, uh, you know, um, what do they call it? Uh, boy, this is not. I'm not off to a good start. My brain's not working. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, you don't need any more realism. You don't need to be uh, no. further engaged in the game. You've got enough. With a low monitor. You got Game Boy was enough for you. You don't need to, yeah. to be fully immersed. If they could just if they would just give me third person over the shoulder, like uh you know, like a Mass Effect or the third person mode in Skyrim, then I'm then I probably would be able to play it maximized, but they won't do that because then I'd know when someone was sneaking onto my ship to kill me. Yeah. Is there really no way to do it at all? I know there are certain nah. things you can do to see your dude third person, but I guess Yeah. They just won't let you constantly play that way. That's too bad. Which is a shame, because um, that game... Drama means not cheap. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> and I, if I'm going to play that game with you, if I'm going to have a session with that game with you, I take Drama mean before I play. Well, we play for a while, so... 
you can't play that game for half an hour. You got to play it like all night. So then you it's do like o- need to be. Prepared. It's like over two dollars for me to play CFDs with you. <laughs> in drama, mean cost each session. Yeah, along with whatever you spent on the game. Uh, yeah. Well, I should have bought the game long ago. If I'd known we were going to play it so much, I should have bought it because I just you... have Game Pass. You still haven't bought it? Yeah. Why would I buy it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I ended up buying it after it was clear we were going to play it. I could, I should buy it and drop Game Pass for sure. But I, then, yeah, if you're not no. playing anything else on Game Pass, that was the thing. I wasn't playing uh, anything else. So I uh, was... Forza Horizon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I should. I should. Uh, on the tenth, Ryan wrote in at Brother Date. I'm going to need you to explain slash define a wet speech. This is I, I accused Picard's little speech at the, that wrapped up imaginary friend way too quickly of being wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just mean uninspiring. Yeah, kind of like a wet fart, but it was a speech instead. Yeah, it's just like... You, you, it's not going to start any fires, this speech of his. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, you put it right. It wraps up the episode super quick and for no real good reason. The aliens yeah. just like, oh, okay, cool then. It's just... And this has happened to Picard a couple of times, and I think I've commented on it when I see it. He got real lucky that the people he was dealing with here were kind of reasonable. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, it's a pure evil alien until he gives that shit, that fucking lukewarm fucking speech. And then they're like, oh, okay, never mind then. Yeah, well, enjoy the tasty energy then. And then um, then you guys can be on your way. You're like, huh? What happened there? Why did it turn so quickly? Exactly. I mean, that alien showed up and immediately was like, let's fuck around a little bit. I want to get into it. And the little girl was like, I'm eight. And he's just like, I don't fucking care. I want to stab someone. And like, she's like, she went to a class without her. And then she was like, you'll die with the rest of them. Yeah. And then, yeah, right at the end, just uh, just suddenly reasonable. Uh, also on the 11th, Ryan wrote at brother date, don't forget lawnmower man, uh, which is actually what I meant when I said Edward Scissorhands. And I realized (laughs) it about 40 seconds later and I decided not to go back. Not to go back. Yeah. It's usually not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't think that one made sense actually. Yeah. I I don't think that it does either. (laughs) I was like, I guess. He did. But you were nice. You played it off. Like, uh, he just makes her watch. Uh, you know, big movies from the '90s or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, with uh, all of the uh, the great actors of our time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what do you think Tom Paris's favorite movie is? Oh man, I, this is tough. It's like, does he think he's uh, a cool, tough guy? Is it like? Rebel Without a Cause or something? Mm. Or is it dumb, fake sci-fi bullcrap? Is it fucking... It's probably The Cat from Outer Space, if I had to guess. Ah, yeah. I bet Tom Paris's favorite movie is The Cat from Outer Space. Also, he seems like he could be in that movie. Yeah. Like, not as the colonel. He doesn't play a cool character in the movie. He's about on that level of actor. That would be in that film, The Cat from Outer Space. About the cat? <clears throat> from outer space that loves gold that needs gold <laughs> gotta get some gold gotta have it for his spaceship yep and also loves tuna cause he's a cat 
He says they don't have it where he's from, but like they got cats. So it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility they'd have tuna, certainly. I mean, maybe maybe they don't have that particular processed Oh, the canned, canned tuna. tuna. Yeah, maybe. You know, that tastes like the can. Yeah, it tastes at least 38% like the can. You know how it doesn't taste like fish, really? No. It tastes like, well, it tastes like canned tuna and nothing else. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what he meant. Um, there's like a long chase scene with a helicopter and a shitty old airplane in that movie that goes on for like fucking 20 minutes. And again, also they didn't have remem- no CGI back then. So, like, remembering correctly that the main scheme they run is sports gambling. Yep, because he could use his collar to uh, do some cool make basketballs not go into yeah. baskets and stuff. <laughs> Maybe a make a fo- make a uh, field goal miss. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of bullet they were fucking throwing. They were throwing some fucking. I'm surprised the FBI didn't get. Oh, I think FBI probably did get involved. Um, but like, uh, why did they spend all that money? On these long action scenes in a movie called The Cat from Outer Space for Children. What was going on? It's a good question. There's so uh, much that they shot of airplanes chasing each other. I couldn't understand what was happening. You'll have to keep an eye out for like an oral history of the cat from about outer the space. making of The Cat from Outer Space. Yeah, actually, we should probably look into that. That'd I, probably be an entertaining read. Because, I, you know, I, I'd be into that, yeah. That that seems like a great book if I get jury duty again. If there's a <laughs> making of the cat from outer space book. That that feels like that's the perfect thing to read in the jury room. I'd love for you to show up in a courtroom sketch holding it, and that they've de- they've lovingly <laughs> detailed what you're reading. And jury number six it. wasn't really paying attention to the trial. He was engrossed in this book about. <laughs> The making of the cat from outer space. He, at one point, he loudly exclaimed, $75,000. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but think about this in 80s but in dollars. 60s money? 60s dollars, whenever this movie was made. <laughs> I don't know when that movie was made. Yeah, well, you know what? We might as well bing it. Yeah. It does seem hell old. 1978. 78, okay. It's, it does kind of seem even older than that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. So. Um. Happy. Yeah. Next time. Next time you got a jury duty. <clears throat> if it's nothing too interesting. You can. You can budget three and a half to four million. How? Um, why? In seventy-seven dollars. Why though? Kids don't care. Just make the cat talk. Yeah, there's very, very little about the production on here. They didn't even there's... do any CGI on the cat mouth or anything because he spoke telepathically. He just there was yeah. literally just reaction shots of a cat licking itself and stuff. Uh, it was just a silver tabby and a a, <laughs> a crazy probably, collar. There's probably about a million dollars worth of R and D to make that collar light up, right? But then, <laughs> other than that, what? Hold on, there's they had an to build his website? spaceship. They had to build the spaceship that he's in, but like that mostly just sits there. They're not, it doesn't have to do much. It did, oh, I apologize. It appears it was not a silver tabby. It's just some kind of brown cat. Uh, well, anyway. Kind of like the first spot. We uh, When we did watch it, I don't know, 10 years ago or something, Marjan and I just laughed at how many cat reaction shots there were. <laughs> oh, does it just, just uh, smash to the cut cat to the cat a bunch of times? Just, he's not doing anything but cat stuff, and you're like, oh, look at that cat emote. That cat's a great actor. Just like uh, the baby in Willow. So many baby reaction shots in that movie. 
do you uh when did you find yourself thinking i wonder what the baby thinks about that right before they cut over <laughs> like oh these people they, they read my mind i needed to know that the baby was uh, annoyed by uh what about kilmer said uh here's a weird one oh, we got on march 13th this was by half truth at half underscore vice and it says I'm not on Twitter much anymore, but I figured I'd jump on to thank you for the podcast. Perhaps you already covered it in a previous mailbag, but if you thought of putting your podcast on YouTube, appreciate all the work you've put into the podcast regardless. Thanks. Now, that's a very sweet message, uh, and I will address the YouTube thing in a second, but uh, who are you? Also, that was just general enough that it could have been about any podcast. It might be spam. So this is just a YouTube account that's like... We gotta get these podcasters. <laughs> Just post but on it says every previous podcast. mailbag. Yeah, but they also that makes it seem like well, why would we have addressed this on the previous mailbag? Specifically, yeah, I don't know. Does it say I a do previous know. mailbag? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe in a previous mailbag. Um. Yeah. Who is that? I don't know who that is. Yeah. If you check uh, that account, um is about one thing and one thing exactly it's about how evil the world is yes it's a very political uh twitter account we thought maybe this is somebody else's account yeah maybe they weren't <laughs> like on this their... is someone's second account they meant to tweet account. from their other account right they forget they forgot or something um somebody so, fess up to whoever who is it yeah Who's if running you the secret are... political account well full of things that i agree with but still don't want to think about yeah, if you are the uh, tw- uh, Twitterer formerly known as Captain Kirk's dildo, please let us know. <laughs> that was your idea about who it might be based on previous I was just like the only, the only person I could think of. No, because the guy, other people who engaged with us were mad about chili reviews, and uh, so it probably wasn't them. So uh, we could auto-post on... Uh, to youtube that's a that's an option that our host allows but it would i would have to upgrade to the next planet it would be an extra 300 dollars a year yeah well that doesn't seem worth it <laughs> yeah because so. we're only making 290 dollars off this <laughs> so we would be technically losing money yeah so currently so what it would be is instead of losing 190 dollars a year which is what it cost me to bring you this <laughs> it would be 490 <laughs> Oh, I thought we were making at least a little. I thought you were making mm. uh, an embarrassingly small, but not in zero amount of money. Are we making? We're making negative dollars. Yeah, we like kind of um, haven't come up with an idea to monetize it, <laughs> or like I don't understand. I thought you just do podcast, and then, arguably we just don't want to. Oh, it's because I haven't sent my bank account on the air yet. Oh yeah, you once I say, say that, it, then, then the money will start coming, start in. rolling in. Um, yeah, well, and then we'll, we'll switch the so end, that you're, it's billing to you instead of me, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, at some point. Once, well, once all the money's coming in, I mean, it's, I have no, I have no issue with that. Until then, it's, you should definitely keep it, though. Yeah. yeah. I think they might, I think, uh, you know, to, to monetize this or get advertisers or anything, they probably would want us to have, you know, probably more than, um, 2,700 total downloads. That's just a thought. Of mine. I'll die first. As soon as this thing gets up near 3,000, I'm going to cancel the whole project. Okay. Well, that... Never going to well, get hold on. At current 000. levels, that, that's, uh, that could be, that's two months from now. All right. Well, I'm just saying. 
Okay. Everybody keep circle that then, because I'm fucking we're just, done. We're just going to have to work hard to get through the remaining 54 weeks of Star Trek podcasts in two months. <laughs> That's right. We'll just do one every day, man. Hey, can you not watch three episodes of Star Trek and take notes and record a podcast every single day? I don't understand. Um, I don't know. I could probably do it for a few days. And <laughs> that then, would be an interesting challenge. <laughs> and then, who knows? Um, in the meantime, I guess we could set up a YouTube channel. Uh, I'd have to figure out video editing. Yeah, that's the only thing. What would you play it, in really. the background? Well, that's what would you? What would the imaging? Just be? put up the brother date logo, and then probably you'd get grab like a screenshot from each episode that you'd play while it was happening. Like it's, it would be, I don't know, an hour of work probably to do a show. How about just a ton of cat reaction shots? Or just a bunch of cat reaction shots, mostly lifted from the cat from outer space. But yeah. you know, we could we could put a couple of the uh, Salem puppets. In sure, there <laughs> yeah. and, uh, those are good. Maybe Lucky from Alf could get in there a couple of times. There uh-huh, are other TV that cats. cat that plays piano that everybody loved on the YouTube. Oh uh, yeah, so that guy was ago. cool. Um, uh, maybe we could get the cat that says "Oh Long Johnson, Oh Don Piano." You yeah. know the one, the <laughs> America's Funniest Home Videos cat. How about ah, the, that was probably America's Funniest People, huh? Uh, there was also uh, um, uh, Between the Lions. You could use those puppets. Oh, the puppets from Between the Lions. Yeah, yeah. that was a good show. And um, I think about that song, Silent E, all the time. Was that by Sloppy Props? I mean, Sloppy Pop? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think so. Sloppy Props was different. I feel like Sloppy Pop was the house band on Between the Lions, but yeah. what do I know? Yeah, that's right. I think that's right. <clears throat> I want to look that stuff up. I want to show it to my kid. I want to tell him it's Sesame Street. <laughs> so you want to watch Sesame Street? And then I'm going to turn on between don't the show, They don't show these episodes no more. <laughs> they don't want you to see what I saw. They pulled most of this stuff out of rotation. It's just like you don't see telly no more. <laughs> <laughs> All this is that one's telly. That one's telly. <laughs> I don't know if telly's still on Sesame They're Street. They're all telly. Um, then uh, every day I'll be like, you want to watch Sesame Street? And he'll say, yeah, and I'll turn on Between the Lions. And then someday it'll be a big prank on him. Somebody will be like, hey, you guys want to watch Sesame Street? And I'll turn on Between the Lions and his friends will laugh at him. Are you going to make special cuts that take out the theme song? Nope. It'll just say Between the Lions okay. the whole time. It's I just like won't this get is into that it. recurring segment of Sesame Street where they just every episode play this one song called Between the Lions. When for he some asks reason. me why the theme song of Sesame Street keeps saying Between the Lions, I'll shake my head angrily and walk out of the room every time. There you go. Like he doesn't get it. Yeah, I, I like that you have a plan for when these challenges arise in your parenting. <laughs> that shows that you've thought about it. Yep. That you're not just playing it by ear. No, 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 no. I'm dedicated. I'm a dedicated dad. I'm a dead dad. Rest in peace. Uh, on the 14th, Ryan writes, At what point have you crossed the line from continuity into fan service, or can you be both? I think you it doesn't become fan service until you see the underwears. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Until you see, like, Riker and Picard, like, kissing a little bit. Right. Then it's fan service. <laughs> like, their lips brush up against each other, and you're like, okay, now it's fan service. Before that, it was just like, oh, that's a cool reference. Remember those guys used to hang out? I don't know what he's talking about, by the way. Is he talking about Picard in, in particular? What, what is I, this about? I invoked continuity when talking about the different names 
the different species that Guinan calls her imaginary friend, oh. whether he's Tarkasian or Tarkesian, and I said there was no continuity, but I, I don't know. He may be talking about something else. Yeah, because um, I don't remember us getting into any fan service discussions, but... No, no. Uh, yeah, Ryan, let us know what you think might be fan service-y. I think it's when uh, you ship two members, and then they, like, they, they catch wind of that, and then they put in... They put in an episode where they uh, they're touching a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think that would count. Yeah. On the fifteenth, you uh, retweeted a note from Aviation Week that said a U.S. Air Force MQ-9A crashed into the Black Sea on March fourteenth after colliding with a Russian Su-27 fighter that was acting unprofessionally. <laughs> U.S. defense officials said. You really keyed in on un- unprofessionally. Your comment on that was that SU-27 has a lot of growing up to do. I actually forgot why I had tweeted this at you until you finished reading it. That's such a crazy way to put it. It flew unprofessionally? It was acting unprofessionally. The fighter was acting unprofessionally. I'm, I'm not sorry. the pilot was One, flying unprofessionally. It's a piece of technology and it wasn't doing anything. And two, right. was he acting unprofessionally or was he acting like an uh, aggressor pilot? Was he trying yeah. to uh, mess with the drone on purpose? Because then I think he was being pretty professional. Yeah, I suspect he was following orders to yeah. buzz the drone and just hit it a little. But just, that's not... He bounced it, that's all. I mean, I don't think he was acting unprofessionally. I'm not sure that qualifies it. And it definitely doesn't qualify as the fighter acting unprofessionally. It sounds like someone talked to someone at the Pentagon who was real frosty about that drone going down. Yeah. And <laughs> said that they were acting very unprofessionally. Unprofessional? What? Anyway. <clears throat> uh, finally, on the 16th, Ryan retweeted a Star Trek meme at us. It's uh, from that episode of The Simpsons where he gets that cool belt, the cool utility belt. Yeah. And uh, it's got, I want to say Kearney, but I'm not sure. That's one of them. Saying, hey, Simpson, want to trade warriors? And Bart says, well, not really. Mine is General Martok, and yours is just an old guy way past his prime. And then in the reverse shot, one of the guys is Core from Deep Space Nine. Mm. And the other guy, who I now think is also Kearney, is saying, <laughs> hey, dude, he's ragging on your core. Because he's got an extension cord for a belt in the original yeah. 30-year-old episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> that was a lot of work while this Star Trek episode is nearly as old. So, Yeah. A lot that of is work. true. A lot of work on that. Yeah, in the... In the long view, speaking for 2023, the Deep Space Nine episode with Core and this episode of The Simpsons were basically contemporaries. Yeah, this is a very long time ago. <laughs> you could have created that meme when uh, an episode of DS9 with Core came out, and uh, that episode of The Simpsons wouldn't have been that long ago, for sure. Uh, that's going to close out the mailbag. I don't have a drop for closing the mailbag, so let's play this. I want something that will really help. <laughs> oh, that wasn't good. Uh, how about, um, this it is one. A- That unit is a woman. No, not really topical. It doesn't have no. much to do with the mailbag. No, it's just, um... Mailbag's closed, and it's time for us to start talking about week 122 of our Star Trek project. Yes. I have named this one. It was briefly named Footstuff Redacted, but it is now named again a Big Tasty Electricity Sandwich. (laughs) Um, 
Next Generation has racked up two losses in a row. So They've been on a talk. shit run, man. They haven't scored 20 points in a while. It hasn't been good. Uh, we're going to talk about them first this week. The episode we watched is I Borg. <laughs> That was hot. Enterprise is charting six star systems that make up the the Argolis Cluster, an area being considered for colonization. Mm-hmm. When they receive a transmission of, quote, unknown pattern mm-hmm. from a Class M moon orbiting the fourth planet. Uh, this is a TV show, so Data talks differently depending on who writes him. Yeah, He doesn't say the same things that you expect week after week. Yeah, no one knows what that meant. Riker, Worf, and Beverly beam down and see uh, Borg Cube Jr. And one living Borg with weak, weak life signs. Credits. The camera zooms clean in on Picard when he hears the word Borg. Mm-hmm. And he wants to leave right away before more Borg show up. But Beverly wants to fix this guy up. Every week, uh, man, it's Beverly doing something. <laughs> I mean, it can be. It has been. Uh, Worf, of course, wants to kill it to leave no evidence, yeah. but that's too far for Picard, and also Beverly has been working on it this whole time while they're talking about it, so he takes a few security precautions and agrees to beam it up. Um, then he storms off to his ready room, and Data turns 180 degrees around in his chair to give a worried look to Counselor Troy <laughs> so that she will stand up and follow him in there. Unclear if she was gonna. If Data hadn't turned around like, hey, that ain't right. Yeah, he maybe he's the one who's really de- detecting all the feelings on this ship. Yeah. Um, she tries to get Picard to open up about his feelings, but he pretends he's doing just fine. He's just fine about everything. He doesn't have any feelings about the Borg or what happened to him. Or it's that, that episode of, um, of The Fresh Prince where Will Smith's dad leaves. And Will Smith gets all emotional, and he says he doesn't need him anyway. He's going to be a way better father than he ever was, and that's what he says about the Borg. I mean, it's a lot like that. It was a very <laughs> special episode this week, is what I'm saying. Um, They beam the Borg up to a detention cell. Beverly starts working on it, and when Picard rolls in, she tells him... Uh, the Borg has some damaged implants that need to be removed. Uh, Picard knows that that will kill the Borg, but she suggests maybe Jordy can just make some new implants. Uh, Picard is full of Borg knowledge in this episode, <laughs> and it doesn't seem like he's sharing it with anyone. The thing is, we did we definitely did not see an episode in between Best of Both Worlds and Family where he was really debriefing Starfleet yeah. on what he knew about the Borg. I mean, I have to believe he did, but, like, I don't know. It seems like he's always got some extra little bit, some little <laughs> bit of knowledge. Like, in fucking First Contact, when he shows up and he's like, nah, you shoot him right here, dummies. Yeah. And they shoot him there and they're dead in nine seconds. And you go, how come he didn't tell him that before? Yeah, that, there was not, like, a, there wasn't a circular that went around that had that information on it. Yeah. That everyone in Starfleet knows. He Somebody did have to tell them. to open their fucking command packet and find that in there. Exactly. At some point. Uh, you can't just open the command packet. You have to, the, you have to officially be the ship's captain, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I don't think anyone can open it. I'm just saying. <laughs> a yeoman brings it to you, and then if you're yeah. officially captain, officially, you get to open the command packet. Well, Picard says, well, if you're going to be making new implants, can we reprogram them to, I don't know, kill all the Borg? <laughs> just, I'm just spitballing here. Could we kill all the Borg with one of these implants? Uh, and then also because this is... What would you say? End of nineteen? No, mid nineteen ninety two, probably. Yeah, it's nine when this aired, they have to do a lot of talk about. Oh, that sounds like a virus. And then he's like, "Yes, a computer virus, well, the uh, kind that infects computers and not people." None of you have a computer in your home, so this doesn't make any sense to you. But but you your know, computer can imagine be if affected. it was networked, <laughs> and you could say send an email to everyone in a hundred mile radius, <laughs> just like. You know, in an area of Indiana, for example. Yeah. Just like whoever's nearby. Computer, send emails to Indiana. So, sinister music to the conference room, where Picard's got all the usual suspects assembled, and Beverly can't believe she's hearing this right. Picard wants to do a full and complete genocide. Uh, and um, Riker agrees. He says it's a war, which is an odd statement since the Borg haven't been seen in these parts for two years, as far as we know. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, Beverly's the lone dissenter. Everyone else is at least pretty comfortable with the idea of building a weapon to destroy the entire Borg. Sure. <clears throat> so they get on with it. Meanwhile, this little guy, this little Borg buddy... Mm regains consciousness and he starts looking for a way to reconnect with his people. Um, Beverly's still feeling pretty good about her observation that Picard Borg was sleepy. Yes. <laughs> the one that in the room, they said that's dumb. No, that's kind of dumb. Yeah, the, the problem is that she accidentally had a Riker moment where she's like, he's sleepy. And data's like, no, but <laughs> thank hey, you for setting maybe. me up. Actually, what's happening is, <laughs> although that actually started with Picard saying sleep, and he's mad when he thinks about it that he doesn't get the credit for that. That's right. It actually, kind of was his plan. He was trying to tell Data that plan. Yeah. Well, but this time she says he's uh, he need he he's hungry. That's what Beverly says. Oh, he must be hungry, and um, and then everyone just runs with that analogy. Including, and this is what's weird, the Borg. He's like, yes, actually, mm -mm, I need to, I need to eat now. Yeah, because in the moment, Jordy's like, yeah, I could, I gotta rig up a thing to tap into the power and convert it down to his frequencies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Doesn't somebody to... say something crazy about how his body's capable of producing whatever yes. nutrients he needs? Yeah, but... the Borg don't eat; they just need energy at the right, you know. Yes. they just need a jack that's he the right, a big, got the right number of plugs. A big, tasty electricity sandwich is what he needs. He needs a big, tasty electricity sandwich. But anyway, the, the only time we hear Hugh refer to what's happening, he does say, uh, thank you for feeding me or whatever. Mm -hmm. So everyone's all in on this, the Borg is hungry analogy. Yeah. Just so that all of us dum-dums at home who don't know what computers is or whatever. <laughs> Those of us who are still stuck on computer viruses. We're still thinking about Well, a computer can can't get, get chlamydia. What can, do you mean? Yeah, I was told that a computer can't get it and that it was safe for me to have sex with it. And now oh I'm hearing about these how I viruses. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez, I'm going to have to tell all the other computers I put my penis into. Darlene, I told you I didn't get herpes from that waitress. <laughs> it was, it I was got a, it from our Commodore 64. <laughs> it was an HP. 
I got genital herpes from our Commodore 64. That slut. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> After Picard tells Jordy to arrange to feed the Borg. Yeah. Uh, he goes off to fence with Guinan, you know, normal Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not uh, fencing. Will... Uh, what happened to the guy he was fencing with in that episode with uh, Man- Janice Mannheim? Uh, he was deemed too bald to remain in Starfleet, I believe. Because <laughs> the guy he was fencing with was a real ass kisser. It was like, had to apologize <laughs> to him for taking advantage or something. Yes. I thought that guy would have made it pretty far. Uh, He didn't do it right. You gotta pretend to like ships and bottles. Yeah, that's right. That's really the only thing that matters. You gotta be like a real, uh, Picard is always saying this, you gotta be a real working man type, and you gotta pretend to have the same hobby hey man, so how do you that think Picard O'Brien can feel got, like he's salt of the earth. How do you think O'Brien got to be a chief warrant officer wearing lieutenant's bibs? Yeah, that's, exactly. That was all ass kissing. Picard was like, I can't make you a lieutenant. But I can I mean, dress maybe you I like could. One. I don't know. There's paperwork. Anyway, I could do feel it. Free don't to tell him he's a lumpy old idiot. He won't know. Don't tell him I can do it. Uh, people, Guinness has a lot of standing sports appointments with people on this ship. We've seen her phaser range, phaser range. Have we seen her racquetball or will we see see her her do some tennis or racquetball or something with, uh, in that something with the metal racket with slots in it though, right? Yeah. In that episode where uh, Crusher and Dr. Rega, uh, do sex. No, they don't. They don't do that. No, she doesn't do Dr. Rega. She doesn't admit it. (laughs) It's true. We don't know that she does it. Uh, we'll talk about that episode next season. No, no. We're going to knock all these out real quick. Within okay. the next couple of months, for sure, we'll get there. Well, uh, she's got feelings about this Borg being on board, and she makes a real weak BS point about Mercy <laughs> being exploitable <laughs> by scoring a dirty touch after pretending she's pulled a hamstring or something. And it's like, yeah. I mean, Picard... Picard doesn't look at her and say, I get it, but he gets it. <laughs> well, but it's I like, have... this Borg is not my friend. I was genuinely concerned about your well-being. And also, there's really no stakes to this fencing match. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted Picard to say to Guinan, that was a real Kyle Riker fucking move <laughs> after she did that shit to him. Oh, yeah, dude. She did Teppanyaki no Tsuritsu or whatever against <laughs> yeah, dude. him. That's Hachidan Kiritsu. It's illegal. <laughs> I don't know why I never noticed that you sweeping the leg was illegal, but I know it now. But I know it for sure. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it since you were three. It's actually well, anyway. it's why you're, but it's one of the things your mom said when she left, is that that was one reason why she was leaving. I cannot, I cannot watch you knock that child over <laughs> one more time, Kyle. Did you just I'm sweep that kid's leg again? I gotta get out of here. I can't do this anymore. Kyle, he moved he me to bruises. Alaska. He has bruises all over his left calf, Kyle. <laughs> I had to talk to the school nurse about it. Did you know that's Hachidun Kirutsu? Because, like, it is. <laughs> they told me that was an... They told me it couldn't be uh, injuries from doing... Oh, come on, man. Why can't I remember the name of it? Parisi Squares? No, nah, it wasn't Parisi Squares, man. Ambojitsu? Ambojitsu. Oh, that's what you were trying to think of? Oh, I yeah. thought you were specifically not They told me it couldn't possibly be an injury from Ambojitsu because <laughs> Hachidankaritsu is illegal. It's an illegal move. 
<laughs> so what am I supposed to say to that? I said, yeah, my husband's a big cheater, though. I don't mean he sleeps with other women. I wish he would. All he does so anyway, is sweep my son's leg over and over again. I packed my bags. Good luck eating uh, bad omelets. Enjoy. I taught him how to make an omelet, and by that I mean I showed him what eggs are. Peace. <laughs> it's just going to be lots of pieces of shell. I hope you enjoy. <laughs> uh, Jordy goes to install the Borg's fancy European receptacle, and like all Starfleets, gets way caught up in a pronoun discussion when this guy won't stop talking about we are Borg and calling itself third of five. Yeah, Jordy's been around the Borg before. Why is this so troubling for him? I can't yeah, my like, theory oh, yeah, is that Borg stuff. during Best of Both Worlds, he had way too much shit to do in like the Jeffries tubes, hooking up the deflector dish or whatever. Like He didn't actually engage the Borg, and he's pretty hazy about what their whole deal is. Yeah, but I think he was in engineering in season two when they came on board. Maybe they didn't chat with him. I don't know. Maybe I don't think those guys had anything to, the to station say. Yeah. And went, All they have is the free solitaire with the ads. <laughs> this is bullshit. We detected hot games. Oh, they don't. Uh, that was before they had the cool rod and cone game. Cone and ball game. No, they didn't have, they didn't have cone and balls. Uh, Conan Balls 2023 yet. They yeah, didn't have yeah. that. <laughs> um, uh, off screen, we learned that Jordy has been using the energy from this thing as a bribe to get the Borg to participate in tests so he can access the Borg command subroutines or something. Yeah. And Beverly thinks that's pretty lousy. But... She's got her orders, too, I guess. So they beam the Borg into Data's law lab. There's still, like, flowers and little candle remains all over (laughs) from the vigil that I presume Riker held for her. Yeah, that happened. This is, of course, also the same place where uh, where Picard was so sleepy that one time. Yeah, this is also where Picard was sleepy. And for some reason, (laughs) O'Brien was manning the fucking instruments. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just looking at him and going, I don't know what any of this means. He's literally the guy from that college sports clip show who, who, who whispered to people off camera, I'm sorry. You know, what's funny, <laughs> what's funny is that since that happened, he went in and programmed like his own presets for that lab in case they ever need him there again. He can bring it up and it's got all the buttons where he wants them. That's right. and like uh, if he needs to raise the levels of anything, he can do it with three fingers. Like, you know, that's how he does it. Yeah, he just but they, They've never called him back into that lab, so no. those presets are just taking up space in the computer. Now, if someone else had been in there running the show, he might have been okay, but Data was in there, and he notices a lot of stuff, and he yeah. definitely got the feeling O'Brien didn't know what was Data's happening. like, maybe not Chief O'Brien. <laughs> like, had to work with a fucking android again. He always he knows I don't know shit. Well, this little Borg is very curious. Uh, he wants to know what... Well, what a doctor is and yep. wants to know what Jordy's designation is. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, will you do Give me a name. And they're like, yeah, your name is Hugh. <laughs> Simple. Isn't it Voyager? <laughs> he's just like, Can I have a name? one minute. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, let me think about uh, it. Uh, they didn't even get their first thought out. They didn't even even get one idea on the board before they found it. Yeah, she's like, uh, yeah, he's Jordy and I'm Beverly and, <laughs> and you. And Jordy's like, Hugh, that's perfect. And Beverly's like, go. I literally don't care. Yeah, that's right. Hugh is fine. Yeah, this, his what's name, important not is not the problem I'm having this week. This sad little Borg loves it. That's what's yeah, important. He does love it. Everybody uh, knows I'm Hugh around here. 
They start working on his weird lenticular sticker eyepiece and talking about the nature of assimilation and how he's lonely without the voices in his head. Mm. And he's real excited about just burning through these tests and getting back to the collective. And Beverly and Jordy exchange worried looks because, like, they really did not expect him to be a puppy dog. A sa- yeah, a sad little pup who's yeah. away from fucking home. He's And he's absolutely like season one Wesley Crusher. <laughs> and they're like, I don't. We're going to, this guy's the bomb we're going to send back. <laughs> he just said, can I have superhero bed sheets too, Jordy? Not, not that I have them. I I don't know why he said two. That was weird. But he wants well, superhero bed sheets. <laughs> exactly. I, yeah, I don't know what he means two. I don't know why he said that. I think maybe he wanted something else, he, so he meant you, also that. You all know he's never been in my quarters, so. <laughs> I didn't take him there to show him Atari. All right? Well, I guess Jordy heard about what happened when Troy tried to talk to Picard and knows that she's out this week, that she's done. The Picard told <laughs> that was her, it, man. don't, don't, hey, don't call me. I'll call you and I'm not gonna. <laughs> so instead of going to talk to her about his misgivings, he goes to talk to the actual ship's counselor when she's around Guinan. Yes. The one who's much, much better, but uh, I mean, maybe not in this episode. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, well, that's exactly it, because he tries to talk to her about his misgivings, and she's not ready to hear it yet. Mm. And they get in a little snipey argument about it. No, no, it's super good. It's super good, because she says something that definitely, she says a few things that would have set me off, and Jordy gives her so much benefit of the doubt, and literally uh-huh. says stuff like, anyway, and just gets back to the stuff he, he fucking rolls saying. right past it like he wants to keep drinking there, so he's yeah. not going to engage. He's just going to keep going with this shit, even though she's saying some stuff that uh, has that some red flags in there like, in what she's saying. Like, he doesn't think it through, right? But part of his decision-making process is definitely, listen, it's here or alone in my quarters trying to get the computer to play the exact right kind of guitar music that I like. I've been working on this like fucking six hours a day for years. It's impossible. I keep telling it. I No, it's it. They say it always rains in London town. They don't like Americans in London town. It just keeps Why saying, can't I find this song? It just keeps saying not found. Record not yeah, found. It's just like there's no. You definitively told me there's no such song. How anyway. many songs can there possibly be that say you got to have hope? You got to have hope. Without hope, without life, hope is, life meaningless. is meaningless. Without hope, without life, hope is, life is meaningless less and, and less. less. That's enough. That's a pretty complex string to search. And the computer yeah. every time says nope. There ain't nothing. Nothing, bud. Sorry. Yeah, it's fucking bullshit. So that's part of his decision making when he lets that go. But eventually he barbs her into going to listen to the Borg, to Hugh, since that's what she does best. Mm, Yeah, got Um, one. He almost said, he wanted to say, isn't that what you people do best? But he pulled it back one notch and just said, isn't that what you do best? He's like, uh, listen, I've heard, I know that that's the reputation you're trying to build for yourself on this ship mm-hmm. as the person who listens. So why don't you give that so a try? So go listen to the sport. You ruined my afternoon. <laughs> I came here to drink. Um, up on the bridge, Enterprise detects another small ship similar to the crashed one coming to investigate, and that puts a 30-hour clock on the proceedings. Yeah. About time. I uh, like... Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. But at no point is this ship going to be able to detect that the Enterprise is there. So <laughs> that's not the problem now, and it's not ever going to be the problem. No. But in thirty hours, they're going to show up and find out. Mm, where's Hugh? Yeah, oh, we missing. don't call. We think of him as third of five. But where is he? Third of five. Sometimes we call him Hugh. Uh, he is missing. Yeah. 
Um, Guinan goes down to stare at Hugh. And she tells him that resistance is not futile, but she's still very salty about what the Borg did. Yeah. But he recognizes what she's saying as being lonely, exactly the way it was explained to him when he was talking about missing the voices. He's and a real data type who just regurgitates whatever was told uh-huh. him 10 minutes ago, for sure. Uh-huh. But uh, this hits her so hard, there's pan flute music. <laughs> well, you know, Akuchimoya, uh, my ancestors, all that stuff. Yeah. It was time. This is like, this is the, this is, I don't know if it's regretful pan flute music or just pan flute music of reconciliation. It's not racist. It's not about no, no, Chakotay no, no, no. this time, nope. but it's like definitely when he says to her, uh, you're, oh, I get it. You're lonely. I'm lonely too. And it's just like the fucking pan flute pops in <laughs> out of nowhere. I was like, got it. Yep. That's what happens in my head whenever I have a moment like that. Um, then we see Jordy talking to Hugh, and he he takes a turn here. He's explaining the concept of individuality and friendship, and this little guy is like, "Oh yeah, you're my friend. That's what's happening here." Yeah. So that sucks too. Anyway, Real manipulative Jordy... little shit for sure. <laughs> yep. Oh, like like Jordy and Hugh, and he's got a fucking wrench behind his back because if Jordy gets too close, he's gonna wrench him in the temple. It's just like they found this. Piglet and Picard ordered them to fatten it up, but then the piglet just loves them. Yep, just Always loves just them so them much. Up. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, Jordy and Data have a plan. They're going to show Hugh a fancy version of that impossible tuning fork image, <laughs> and once he gets that thing back to the collective, it's curtains. Dude, the confidence they have in this plan is fucking unbelievable. Yeah, the next sentence in my notes is, they are sure that this will destroy the Borg. I want to be clear about that. It's, that's why it sets up the dilemma so well, because they have no doubt at all this will finish every Borg ever. Yeah, Everywhere and, in the galaxy. And by the way, the plan don't make no sense, and the writers <laughs> knew it. So they had to put it in like... So when he sees this thing, he's going to know that can't possibly exist. So he's going to store it in a fucking buffer uh, because that's what the individual Borgs do when they yeah. see that tuning fork. They're like, well, I don't know. I'm going to hold on to that for this later. Low. And then when he gets reintegrated, they're going to upload it. And then it's just going to blow up. It's just going to cause a huge memory leak like they're running Google Chrome. It's going to be real bad. <laughs> right. They're fucking. It's going to be like they fucking opened Wikia. <laughs> It's not optimized. This shape is not optimized for mobile or desktop. This actually, shape is going to fuck them. It's actually just a QR code for the Wikia entry for this episode. <laughs> it's just going to it's just going to be open in a tab. They're Memory Alpha is just going to be open in a tab. Go, oh, what is this helpful link that Hugh brought us here? Why are the fans running all of a sudden? What's going on? What the f- it sounds like a fucking jet engine in here. What? Uh, everything froze. Guys. Is it hotter in this room? What is happening? Me? No one can hear me? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Fucking a, Wikia. A full-on Wikia-style kernel. you can't panic. close tab? What the fuck? <laughs> um, after Data walks away, Jordy tells Picard he's been having second thoughts about the plan. He doesn't like using Hugh. And Picard tells him to suck it up and, quote, kill a few hundred mice, Marjan style? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets very specific. And then goes off to his quarters... Where Guinan comes to visit him. Yeah, actually what he says is, yes, 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 yes peace in our time. And Jordy <laughs> goes, what? Huh? <laughs> That's, I didn't say anything about that. Um, 
Guinan assumes Picard has been talking to Hugh all along. And mm. she wants to know why he's still sure this is the right thing to do. He want, She wants him to convince her that this is right. Because now mm. she don't think so anymore. But then she finds out he hasn't been down to see Hugh at all. Yeah. And she tries to convince him to go. And she says she's not sure. He still is a Borg. And he should probably talk to him at least once. Yeah. But Picard gets a weird attack of the dignities or something, and rather than go down there like every other person has, he has Hugh beamed Dude, up to his room. He doesn't want to be seen having emotions in front of the security guard or whatever. It's like he's fucking worried. He knows he's going to ask Worf to wait outside, yeah. and he's worried that he's going to strangle this fucking Borg to death when he sees him, and then he's just going to tell Worf, he came right at me. What can I do? There's no cameras in the ready room. What can I do? Right? He just he doesn't want to have a witness or something. Yeah, and then they'll be like, "Well, it's weird. There are all these phaser rifle burns. Why'd you have a phaser <laughs> rifle in there? He's this whole shit's gonna fall apart." I don't know. It seems like you stabbed him about fifty times, Captain. <laughs> you, you, why didn't you have O'Brien beam up with him? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> um. Hugh recognizes Picard as Locutus, because I guess the 55 minutes he was Locutus were real famous to, among the Borg. That's the thing, because like, he gets disconnected from the internet early on, and he doesn't know what a doctor is. But like, yeah. he sees Locutus, and he's like, fucking Locutus! Oh my god! Yo! <laughs> I, saw, I, seen, <laughs> I saw you in the Meadowlands, and you kicked ass! No! No! <laughs> No, oh, I saw him with Brian Adams in 89 and he kicked ass. <laughs> um, Picard plays along and pretends he's there to assimilate the Federation. And then he gets to hear everybody's life lessons read back to him from Hugh. Yeah. And when Hugh finally says, I will not assist you, Picard comes around. And now he can't show the Borg this wireframe drawing of like a cool flower anymore. Yeah. It definitely would have worked, too. That's the thing. It, just like Riker was definitely going to win that court case. Uh-huh. He definitely was going <laughs> to eliminate everyone. this close to winning. I'm sure of it. Yep. Uh, yes, I made 25 procedural errors, but I'm <laughs> I'm certain that was But don't win. you understand? I came this close to winning. Um, so, instead, Picard's plan is... We're just going to give Hugh back and hope that his individuality will assert itself throughout the collective. Um, but also, e even this, no one's really willing to go along with it unless Hugh agrees. Uh, and luckily, Hugh knows what the stakes are right away, so we don't have to see a scene where they try to explain the consequences of this decision. Yeah. And he chooses to go home for Geordi's sake. So yes. they and say he, goodbye. He's very worried throughout the back half of this episode about what's going to happen to poor Jordy. He must Jordy, sense that Jordy's a punching bag in space. He heard about friends 10 minutes ago yeah. from Jordy, and he heard something in Jordy's voice that we didn't hear, which is <laughs> that the, he is his only friend. He, that Jordy really needs a new friend that, right now. Even Data doesn't hang out with him anymore somehow. No, and again, he can just sense. He looks at him, and he can just sense that this guy is definitely going to have a hard run. Has had a hard run, is going to and have will a hard continue run. to. Yeah. Well, they say goodbye, and Jordy beams down to watch him get captured again because somehow everybody knows Jordy's safe. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you how later. <laughs> Got lots of notes about that. Uh, Enterprise goes and hides in the star's coronasphere without even like special shields or anything. 
and waits for this all to happen. And Jordy watches as two more Borgs beam in and start surveying the place wordlessly. Then they jack right into Hugh's sandwich hole and uh, the three of them, I don't know, walk around pushing the self-destruct button on the rest of the Borgs. But just as he beams out, Hugh gives Jordy a last little look. Yep. Hey, man, the more we learn about the Borg, the more confused I am. <laughs> I understand they don't consider, like, one dude hanging around a threat. But like, uh-huh. what about one dude where his ship is nowhere to be seen? <laughs> then none of those Borgs are like, wait, how'd this fucking guy get here? What do also, you mean you, you can't detect any Federation sh- He don't live on this planet. What is he doing here? Hugh, disconnected from the collective, recognized Locutus. When they fucking beamed down... <laughs> All of them are little eyepieces should have been going, that's Jordy LaForge. Yeah, he, he works He's from Lacutus. the Enterprise. He's one of Lacutus Lacutus ship. dudes. Like, uh, what's happening right now? None <clears> of <throat> them do fucking anything. Well, it's, luckily, it's the fucking same with the Borg as it is with Starfleet. Nobody reads the reports. So when yeah. these idiots beam back up and they jack in again and they're like, ah, yeah, Jordy LaForge was down there. The Borg don't care. Yep. No one reads it. That's right. Uh, that's the end of the episode, so Matthew, I have to ask you. Are you interpreting all the symbols? Uh-oh. Searching your subconscious for their meaning? <laughs> well, I did try a little bit. Uh, thank you, Chaco. Always do the thing that is moral and right in the immediate term, no matter the consequences later. <laughs> that's otherwise known as the Liu Bei strategy. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, that's not it's... really what brings about Liu Bei's downfall, but still. It's uh, it's a very TNG kind of thing. Like, I would associate that with the TNG peoples, that that's how they generally think. But um, it's not really a good take, because I can think of so many situations, including the one in this episode, that you might want to think about doing something else. So I gave it a two. Um... I suppose, ultimately, the take in this episode is that you can't hate someone once you get to know them. That, too. Yeah, that's true. Like, so, first of all, you're 100% right. This episode is just all swirling about the morality of, you know, genocide versus the the sort of the idea that this is an enemy that can't be negotiated with, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that, it's not a logical decision. No. That's being made at they, the end of the day here. Nope, they just go, ah, he's so sad. He's and so sad we can't send him back like that. My thought on this take about uh, getting to know your enemy or whatever is, it doesn't really fit in with the Borg. Yeah. Because they don't... Their animosity about the Borg doesn't have anything to do with the actions of individual Borgs, right? I mean, there aren't even supposed to be individual right. Borgs. That's in it. They hate them cases. because they have no individuality, right? Yeah. But there we are. Um, like, it, it's, you know, what, what do I do about this take? I have it down the middle five. But what I want to say is I think that the best person in this episode is Hugh. Yeah. Who makes the ultimate sacrifice for his friend Jordy before he has the time to reflect that Jordy was sarcastic and shitty with him when they first met? <laughs> yep. <laughs> the first several things Jordy says to him have are full of disdain, for sure. Uh so I'm giving it a five, which is, again, it it's okay. I'm not mad at the actual take. It just doesn't really fit the episode. 
No, a lot, of, a lot of things about that are in the episode that are just kind of taken for granted that when you think about it, don't make sense because it's the Borg. That yeah, almost any exactly. other enemy, it would make more sense. Uh, but this is like the problem. Well, actually, let's let's look back. Uh, what did I give the enemy? Mm, the enemy was a good episode, but it scored high because it's the same take. That got a lot of points. Well, I mean, I gave it a seven in the enemy, as did you. Yeah, I don't remember what my take was, but it, it, I remember it scored. I mean, that episode scored 51 points. and no It scored epi- more than the defense. No episode has ever scored more in execution or characterization. That's the, the, ro- that's the TNG Romulan winner. I was going to say it's the Romulan winner, but I'm pretty sure uh, the TOS one scored higher. Uh, face of the enemy? No, the, the TOS one. Uh, what's it fucking called? The, the, uh, oh. the, one, the Balance of Terror. Balance of Terror. Uh, I mean, yeah, it scored 55. Yeah. Just higher scores across the hey, board. Hey, it turns out the Romulan episodes are the good ones. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in many cases, yeah, that is the case. Although, I don't know that. Um... Fuck me. The one where they kidnapped Jordy. The Mind's Eye. Oh, yeah, that one. That one was a little bit weak. That was a weaker effort, for sure. I don't think that one really crushed it. <laughs> anyway, it's a five. I just I do wish that there had been a clearer take related to the Borg in this one. Yep. Sure. Uh, swinging around to execution. I think the episode mostly works. Yeah. Yes, they have Jordy working on a data problem because they need someone to have an emotional reaction to Hugh. But honestly, they could have just used data for that. I mean, probably I right. Mean, he was the one who was down there connecting with Roga Danar. Exactly. You know I mean? they, he's he's great at bringing it up. But I'm right, right? Q, this, too. This virus Borg implant cybernetic stuff is a data problem that for some reason they're giving to Jordy. Well, I mean, even when they're showing that shape, Jordy and Data are giving the presentation, and I definitely looked over at Marjorie and said, Data did all that. Data did all the work, for data sure. Data did that work. That's 100%. Jordy didn't have time to build that fucking crazy shape. Maybe Data's been on the out since he talked about whatever Pell's theory of maybe everything just works out in the end. <laughs> um, and yes, Hugh turns so easily that it makes you think this must be happening all the time and the Borg ought to have a protocol for dealing with a recovered drone that's become individualized. You would think so. Like he puts up so little resistance to this idea mm-hmm. that it just, it just must be happening. And if that were true, then Picard's plan wouldn't work at all, and Hugh's sacrifice would accomplish nothing. Yeah. And sure, Troy tries once to get through to Picard and then walks out of the episode. She done, man. She, that, but, was, um, that was Friday afternoon, man. Yeah. I, that's why you didn't see her again. Out of universe, that's because Guidance around this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and sure, the big... TNG Deep Space Nine problem of captains with unlimited personal authority not even <sighs> checking in about yep. the potential design and deployment of a weapon of mass destruction. I thought, just based on the stakes, I thought for sure this must have been one of the ones where he talked to someone at Starfleet and then they went, I don't know, whatever you think, but no, he doesn't. Like, I get that they hadn't invented Nechev yet. Yeah. To be Picard's foil in the Admiralty. She just but... would have said, uh, are these Borg Cardassian? And he would have gone, what? 
No, they're Borg. No, they're Borg. I, don't like said, I don't know what he was before he was Borg. He might have been Borg, gone, Borg. I don't have any time then for that. It's yeah. Cardassian or nothing for me. So, so yeah, that re- that recurring problem goes unaddressed, and it's a big goddamn third rail in this episode if you stop and think about it for a second. But it mostly Ugh. works. <clears throat> yeah. On the emotional beats and things like that, <laughs> yeah. it works. The beats are right. Guinan's trauma is worse than Picard's, but it's less personal and further in the past. So she comes around first and guides him in. And then once Picard meets with Hugh and sees what the Borg can become, he can't do the genocide anymore. It's just it, it's just not one of the very best episodes. So yeah. um, I gave it an, another down the middle five here. Yeah, I had it as one better just for the fact that I think it it basically did all the things it was trying to do. But you're correct that many of the details are bad and wrong. Yeah. So, like, it's an effective episode culminating, like you said, in that one-act play in Picard's office. Hugh is a sad little pup who's been found in the gutter by Beverly, and he gets real sad about Jordy maybe beefing it, and he turns Picard and Guinan, the arch enemies of the Borg, around completely on this plan to shut down the collective. Beverly, as always, up in everyone's shit, and at the end, everyone feels very good about the day they had, except for Hugh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> to go back to the collective. The obvious problem is that because they are so sure this is going to work, they're kind of on the hook for the billions or trillions of people that get eaten up by the Borg yeah. <laughs> moving forward. Uh, because they didn't want to send this one dude to... Uh, they're not, I don't know if they really talk about what their fate is after. Do they get into what happens when the Collector shuts down and what's going to happen to everyone? All the Borgs? No. Are they all going to no wake up and become individuals? Are they going to die in space? Like, what, it, what, what is well, ultimately going to happen? I mean, what happens when their sandwich machines break down? I mean, I yes, right. So they'll run out of tasty energy, I assume. But anyway. Yeah. So, um, so that's not great. I mean, you remember that guy in Voyager who um, fake Sam Neill? I do. Uh, Ray Wise. Ray Wise Sparkles. Yes. Who's just so fucking mad at Janeway. There's going to be a lot of people. the deal that she made with the Borg? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people who, if they knew about this incident, would be so mad. <laughs> oh, Picard. yeah. You got to imagine this. Oh, that's cool. You feel really good about yourself. You uh, were really nice to that boy. I mean, except for the part where you made him a Borg again. Um, And then they turned around and they made all of us Borgs. So very good stuff. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I'm glad your conscience is uh, in good shape. Yeah, you do. You do have to imagine that this report from Picard gets double, triple classified, huh? Oh, yeah. No one can know about any of this stuff. Um, so that's not great. Um, I'm trying not to include anything that happens in Descent. In this critique. Right. Because we yes, kind of know what happens. There's a follow-up coming eventually. Also, Actually, as you said. Not that far from now, really. Uh, Picard never talks to Starfleet, as far nope. as we know, which is fucking crazy. It's extremely wild. I, I, I think everyone keeps talking about a genocide in this episode, and I wasn't sure what to make of it, because I don't know that the Borg are a species or anything. I, I don't really know how... Because there are other ways you could argue it. Like, these were all individual people from individual different species that got uh, turned into robots. And I don't I mean, know. What about that the that... ones that are just babies that are born Borgs? Uh, the ones in the maturation chambers? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to make of those because. You know, in the drawer. 
I don't know what to make of the drawer. The baby the Borg, drawer. The Borg have been through so many iterations, and it's hard to know what is what is really the Borg and what is one writer who wrote something and everyone else went, that didn't, that, that never happened. Don't talk yeah. about that anymore. There aren't any baby drawers anymore. So it is a real interesting question. Um, but anyway, so I don't know. There are different ways you could argue whether the Borg are a species or just uh, they've been eaten by a big robot. I will say this. The Borg never talk about it like the, uh, the resource that they're getting when they assimilate cultures is the people. Yeah. It's their technology, right? Yep. And then, like, I don't know, they'll just make new ones. It doesn't seem like they need to keep assimilating people to yep. propagate the species. Yep. Maybe that's why they uh, don't need to take Jordy or whatever. Yep. They're like, we don't need another dude. <laughs> Not important. We got um, 50 of them baby drawers on the ship, so. Yeah, we're good. We're, we're pumping good. out Borgs. Uh, I don't know, man. It's like, it, this episode is ex- the, exactly the crew that we've come to know, acting exactly as you'd expect them to, and hitting all the beats that they're supposed to, and you're just watching them make this monumental misstep. But the show yep. wants you to think everybody did a very good job in the end. Yep. So, it's confusing. I'm confused about how I feel about this episode, other than to say that, generally speaking, they hit all the emotional beats, right? So I gave it a six. All right. World I feel building, like this man. episode was better than my scores will show overall because it, it worked as an episode, but there are so right. many weird problems with it. <clears throat> um, world building. The Argolis Cluster is being scouted for colonization. Here these fucking Starfleets are again, man. They're just fucking eating up all the planets around here. Yum, 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 yum. Oh, yeah. They're going to put 15 dudes on the planet, too. Yeah. And you know there's some planet that's got eight trillion dudes on it that's heavily overpopulated and they're looking Please. to expand and it's just like why would you give us technology and they're, they're gonna go down there man. and they're fucking junked up packed full of sardines generational ship or something and there's gonna be five sleek federation cruisers just like this federation space man yeah uh why are you entered federation space we got uh four scientists on this planet over here you cannot could, be here we could give you guys like some technology to clean your water probably but uh, know, maybe we'll think about it this planet's for 18 homesteaders, so... Look, man, it's, uh... We can clean your water, or you can go to Draylon 3, or whatever. I'll That's tell you it. what, we'll give you a call if everybody on this planet gives up and goes back to Earth. <laughs> That's what they're like. Uh, Beverly has staff this week. Yes. Well, she did last week, too. But you may remember nurse that she threatened uh, that there was a Nurse McCluckage. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which sounds so made up. Uh, Picard's Borg virus, probably developed by Data, seems a bit complex for Geordi to have done on such short notice. Maybe the computer did it. Did the ship's computer build that? Oh, probably. It's pretty smart. They probably just went to the holodeck and said, make me a computer virus capable of defeating the Borg. <laughs> Things are very easy on the Enterprise, man. It and probably is all that took. Then in 18 months, they're going to be real surprised that the computer's sentient. Yep. Uh, I don't know who's working on the Borg problem in Starfleet, but Picard has obviously been giving it some thought. Because just right there, we're supposed to think, what, off the top of his head? He's like, okay, oh, but yeah, check yeah, it yeah. out. He what gets we... one injured teenage Borg, and he's like... <laughs> I got a plan. Just God came to me. I haven't been thinking about it at all. Uh, we give him a computer virus that kills all of them. What do you think? This is definitely not uh, <laughs> in my filing cabinet in a blue envelope, but 
Uh, what if we implanted a virus of some type? Uh, I just think it may be a shape they can't recognize or something. I got a shape that in my head right now I'm thinking of. I'll just fax it over to you guys. And you can it's like these stairs, man. And it seems like <laughs> like if you just don't pay attention, you just keep falling. It seems like they always go up, but that don't make no sense because they connect. <laughs> See how your head hurts a little bit right now? Now imagine you're a computer and not a human man. Or an android. I know, and it's, uh, Picard's like, also, can you play this clip for them? However, I hate you. <laughs> and then they'll be like, that's totally, we're the identical. What do you mean? It worked very well in Kirk's time. Um, uh, in, uh, in Seven's day, Hugh would have been three of five. Yes. They changed the naming convention at some point, because he was third of five. Uh, I'll tell you what that point was when they named her seven of nine. Yep. <laughs> Um, Hugh lost internet and couldn't look up what a doctor was. Let's talk about it 50 more times, please. Why did the Borg give the drones abs? Ah, yeah. It's a real good question. I know Why we are they wearing the Batman return suits? <laughs> Is it for intimidation? Is it for sex appeal to help with the introduction of them into the uh, species or something? <laughs> What? Every species abs? we've assimilated loves abs. It is a universal constant. Everyone loves hot abs. They love abs and low-cut rubber suits. <laughs> it's so confusing. Every time I see a Borg, I laugh, and I go, well, that made them a little bit less scary. It's a little <laughs> bit less scary that they're so worried about their face. Oh, sorry, guys. They're concerned. they're concerned about how their abs look. So I think we can beat them. I think we I just can... thought of five plans to beat them, now that I think about it. We could probably just eat rice and french fries in front of them until they throw up. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Their diet of red meat is going to give them gout before long. This is not <laughs> going to be a, a hard problem for us. Flush all the sour cherry juice into space. <laughs> um, why do they think the Borg can't handle paradoxes? Yeah. Where is that coming from? Yep. Why wouldn't the first drone see that shape and just file it under paradox shapes or something and uh -huh. just don't care anymore? It's, it's like these writers were so out of touch with technology that the idea that Bing could tell you, I'm not oh, going to talk about that anymore <laughs> and just end the conversation. Which it did it's just be beyond that. Several times at game night last week. Yeah. <laughs> Everything I asked it, it was like, mm, I choose to move on. Uh, it's going to keep processing it until the whole collective melts down. <laughs> I don't know why they thought that. They never explain why they think that. They just say it will happen. So confident, as always, just like, just like when they think his individuality will corrupt the Borg at the end. Man, do you really think this is the first Borg ever to get disconnected and reconnected? In uh -huh. the history of the Borg, it's never happened, and they have no idea what to do. And even when Picard lays out his whole plan, it's so fucking fragile. They're like, when they get, he's like, when they get you back, they're going to download his, all of his experiences and then they're going to erase him. But in that second, in that moment <laughs> yeah. before they erase him, it maybe the feeling of individuality will spread. It's like, hey, wait, what if they do it in the other order? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Why, why wouldn't they just wipe him first? What if it's like when you send your old laptop back to your job? Yeah. And they just wipe it immediately. They just restore it to factory settings immediately. Yeah, Why would they download, download it? your experiences if yeah. they don't care about them? You know. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know, man. It's. I wish they would take us behind the curtain a little bit and tell us why they think these things because they didn't make sense in the room. 
Uh, in fact, I would have asked Picard to leave the room, and I would have looked to Riker, and I would have looked to Jordy, and I would have been like, what do you think? Did that make any sense? And they would have gone, <laughs> fuck no. Data would have gone, I don't. That's not how we computers work. It's like when Riker said, oh, he's here? Usually we send him out. It's like when Riker said that thing about subheading slapstick. <laughs> uh, Data, do you remember the time we sent you out of the room, right? That time you were telling all those lies because you always lying. Oh, you guys, have, you talked about me when I left the room Yeah, you said that thing about the fucking, I don't even know what theorem, you, the Elway theorem, I don't know what episode it was. And we, everyone just fucking laughed. Laughed at you. Um, Picard does not reach out to Starfleet. Nope. He was going to do what he considered a hot genocide. <laughs> without even asking. Because, binar voice, there was a chance they'd say no. I mean, he doesn't say it, but there's another moment that I will bring up later that where I think Picard is uh, not telling us the truth and that he did something intentionally to cover his ass. Okay, well, um, there were some things in there I didn't understand or like most of them. I gave it a two. Uh, yeah, it's a two for me also for world building. He really covered pretty much everything. Um, Borg scout ships. Sure. The, uh, that's kind of a new idea, I guess, uh, with just five, five little Borgies on it. Yeah. Uh, some stuff from the Borg's perspective about, well, you know, yeah, we, we want to get to know you too, but we're just going to assimilate you and then yeah. you'll be like us and we'll know what you're like. That's the fastest way. Yeah. Um, but this really not a world building outing. No, it is surprising too. You'd think there would be, they'd be concerned with that. We haven't met the Borg that much, and they're kind of the existential villain, maybe outside of Q in the show. In terms of characterization, yes, Picard is so bad at dealing with his past trauma. Yeah, I mean it was traumatic, but yeah, oh, he's not sure good was. At it. Like, I know the Red Letter Media guys love to act like movie Picard is a different guy. Yeah. But you can see he isn't dealing with it here either. Just sends Troy on her way and says, don't call me, I'll call you. Mm-hmm. And we do get a lot from Guinan. She tries to steer Picard away from taking pity on Hugh, but then ultimately she's the one who convinces him that was a mistake. I, I think the rest of the cast, though, is a little less strong. Sure. Jordy starts out, what I feel is artificially hostile. Yeah, well, I, you, I I can only assume some of those people that died in those Borg episodes must have been his buddies or something, because he is I, not happy. Yeah, there's some buddies that we never saw or heard about, or mm-hmm. like maybe at this point they hadn't decided if both of his parents were still alive or what, but like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think he's artificially hostile here so that he can soften up as the plot goes on, right? Yeah, that makes like, sense. He's plot hostile. He's plot hostile. And be- Beverly has one of the all-time great walk-the-walk causes here when everyone is on board for genocide, but she's so much softer about it than when Moss grows weird <laughs> or when Alyssa she, knocks over I'll a hypo you, spray or something. The difference is, in those cases, she's the only one who cares at all, either way. <laughs> in this case, she read the room and people were pissed there was a Borg here. Yeah. They did not like this Borg. So she, even though she felt strongly about it, she had to kind of soft-footed a little bit. Normally it's just like, no one is even listening to me. I better say this shit louder. 
There were voices in my quarters. You're not listening to me. Uh, so no one's out of left field here, but I do feel like in this episode, a lot of the emotion is in the service of the plot and not the other way around. Yeah. So I gave it a four for characterization. I am in line. I gave it a four. Uh, I love Beverly purposely waiting to finish her sentence so she can step all over Riker's shit. It was <laughs> so passive aggressive and I loved it very much. She fucking waits to complete that thought, and Riker's on the communicator, and then she fucking talks right over him. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but in the staff meeting, and I, I would have invited her to leave the room. <laughs> you know? Nothing the, about what's happening here is medicine, Doctor, so yeah. feel free to go. Thank you for taking care of the Borg. We uh, we expect you to continue taking care of the Borg, and we will see you on the flip side. I, I, in fact, later I got the sense she really only wanted the Enterprise to get shot at or destroyed. When she says, smiling, what if he doesn't want to go? Yeah. Cool. So now what, we gotta fight the Borg to save this little turd? Thanks. Thanks for insisting on that point. Um... Picard insists he's cool having the Borg on board, but Troy senses otherwise, and so does Data. Uh, Picard comes up with the computer virus plan, which I hadn't really remembered. <laughs> um, again, I wanted Picard to say to Guinan that she did a Kyle Riker. Uh, dude, you could tell Picard wanted to reduce Geordi two steps in rank when he told him he's getting to know the Borg. Uh-huh. If this had been a Romulan ship, that would have been it for Geordi's career. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he's also unhinged talking about how the dude is a lab rat. I think it's okay to admit that he's an individual person now. And also, you are sacrificing him for the greater good of the entire galaxy. You don't have to say he's a lab rat. You know, <laughs> it's a weird thing to do. In the transporter room, he's like, oh, Jordy? Nah, he's safe. He's not cool or macho enough for the Borg to want to assimilate him. See, they did it to me because they needed a liaison. Jordy would never rate that treatment. <laughs> Who would want Jordy to help introduce the, the Borg to his species? <laughs> so fucking mean. Man, everybody knows Jordy ain't cool. You don't have to say it out loud. Um. Then Hugh goes, I do not want to forget that I am Hugh. He basically goes, yeah. I'm fucking scared, bro. And Picard just smiles and says, energize. Yeah. Fucking bizarre behavior. <laughs> no yeah, words that of was comfort his Tuvix moment, huh? <laughs> so bad. He didn't have anything to say to the poor little guy. Uh, even Guinan learned something this week. It's nice that she's not perfect. Um... Jordy gave that guy a big tasty electricity sandwich and he didn't even say thanks. I mean, he thanked him with his life. <laughs> yes, later. Yeah, later he does. Uh, then he went to Guinan because she's better than Troy, but now he has no counselors he can talk to. Jordy had a hard week. Oh yeah, it's entirely possible that next week like Guinan's gonna remember that he said isn't listening what you're good at. Yeah. But, like, even though she was, in fact, probably worse because she feels like she was wrong in that moment. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a four, so. 
All right. Do you have quick hitters? Yeah, man. Uh, have rocks ever looked more like styrofoam than the ones on this moon? It's pretty bad. <laughs> First fucking shot is a bunch of those styrofoam rocks. I'm, oh, no. That when was there's, the best they could do, huh? When stuff comes out of the walls and ceilings that arguably should be styrofoam, they use rocks. <laughs> yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> this week. Uh, there's Beersks on this moon. That's what I said when I saw the Borgs. Um, how, uh, how many prisoners attempting escape from Starfleet Briggs have tripped over that big dumb lip on the ground? <laughs> Fucking... Uh- Roka Danar really was a master. I'd have stubbed my whole foot on that thing. For sure. Like, in that moment, you're paying attention, trying to watch the crap. Because the thing you're worried about is, I'm going to try to step out of here before that field drops and I'm going to get zapped. That's right. And, and then then maybe you're like watching the guard, idiot. too. Yeah. You're watching a couple of things and you are not watching that big dumb thing you got to step over. I mean, look, that's where the force field comes out of, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, when I saw them stepping over that thing, they had to really step. I was like, oh, man, that is the, that's the last line of defense right there in that brick. <laughs> Power goes out, those force fields go down, someone tries to hurry out of there and just fucking falls around on their fucking face. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Wait, why Hugh and not you? Why are you smiling? You two have an inside joke going here, and I'm not a part of it. I feel ashamed. You really should feel left out. You didn't understand why you wasn't a good choice. They thought it was so funny. Oh, that's all I had. <clears throat> um, I like that the props guy on this episode was like, we need a smaller Borg ship. Got it. Smaller cube. <laughs> it's like, like if they'd said you need a small Klingon ship, he just would have miniaturized a bird of brain. Uh-huh. Like, this is what you wanted, right? Well, I mean, that is what they do with that Bird of Prey model, huh? They just make it whatever size they want it to be that week. Yeah, but That uh, is actually true. But just like eventually Voyager's going to be like, Jamie's going to say, a Borg Icosahedron. <laughs> it's child's play. <laughs> but here in season five of TNG, they were fucking keeping it simple. We need yeah. another, we need a smaller Borg ship, littler cube. Yep. <laughs> you know what they do. They fly around in cubes. Uh, man, all the Starfleet captains we've seen are really bad about seeking out help. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I feel like Kirk would probably be the most likely to talk to Spock or McCoy about the powerful emotions he was feeling. Sure. And then everyone he, after he, he Kirk He definitely would have put it into his log. <laughs> uh-huh. On everyone the bridge. after Kirk gets more closed off and worse. Yeah. Um... Yeah, in Star Trek 2, he's not really up to talking about how old he feels, but he, but McCoy does get it out of him. When, it is true, when they discover that they're Borg here, every <laughs> actor in that room, so probably the director, made the choice that their emotion they're feeling is angry. Yeah. That the Borg are there. Where I feel like fear would be more natural or like... Sure. You know, like they'd close their eyes and take a deep breath. Like now we got to deal with this, you or know, that like kind of an anger that is fed by fear or something, you right. know, like a reaction to fear, maybe leading them to lash out or something. It is very rare to get a performance like that in Star Trek, but yeah, I mean, you know, it could be Gates, but she had a lot of. She was leaning over a Borg, so she didn't. They didn't yeah. do face close-ups of her. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I just felt like those those reactions were not so great. But um, also, Jordy doesn't seem to understand hive consciousness, the collective consciousness of the Borg, because he's very confused about why Q keeps saying we. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know why he doesn't understand this part. Like, this is their whole deal, man. We. It's like, hey, man, uh, they <laughs> want like mind. In his, in his mind all these years, he's been like, they're scary because they're computers. <laughs> yeah, totally missed the point. <laughs> well, that's not it, Jordy. No, 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 no. That's, that's, uh, then why aren't you scared of data? Oh, you are scared of data. Okay. Oh, uh, oh you're well. keeping him close because you're scared of him. That's right. In case you need to shut him off real quick. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, yes, he never heard any of their communications in either of those episodes previously where they were like, we are the Borg, because they say that. Yeah, I guess he's recapping for people who haven't seen Best of Both Worlds. Oh, that's very helpful. He's that character. Q who. Yeah. After meeting Hugh, Picard says, I suppose I was avoiding meeting the Borg so I wouldn't have to face this decision. But I propose that the Picard we've come to know was deliberately and intentionally avoiding Hugh for plausible deniability when he had to answer questions about why he deployed a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> so he didn't have to say he knowingly sent an individual? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then anyway, if you want to imagine what might have been, uh, this little guy auditioned for the role of Wesley Crusher. I mean... I mean... I think he's more effective than I think this <laughs> Hugh was more effective than any Wesley that we've Well, it's seen. hard because they kind of th- this is kind of a juicier role than anything I they guess. wrote for Will Wheaton, huh? But isn't this the same I mean, isn't this the same character who said why would anyone want to use drugs or whatever? I yeah, like kind of. I feel like that's this guy right here. And then at the end when he's like I don't want Jordy to be hurt. Yeah. Uh that's uh that's I'm a Starfleet, we don't lie. Yeah, that is except Wesley's like, why don't you go home and read a good book? Yeah. <laughs> fucking fucking P-word. So anyway, if you want to imagine what might have been Jonathan Del Arco as Wesley. Okay. Well, again, I, uh, in my head, it's an improvement, but I don't know. We'll, we'll never know. I gave best actor to Picard as Locutus. It's a real <laughs> sinister turn he's doing. <laughs> It's not uh, as evil as a lot of the stuff that Archer or Janeway does, but it is a weird trick that he's playing on this guy. I mean, he doesn't know he's going to do that. Right? No, he. it seems like he's rolling with it, right? Yeah, he, he he's like, oh, he thinks I'm Locutus. Well, let's see how he feels about this shit. I gave worst actor to that Borg trying to climb the steps in his full Carl Havoc suit. <laughs> Just can't bend his knees, so he's got to swing his leg out real wide to get it up and over the step. Yeah. Damn, we saw one of those Borg's brains. <laughs> we sure did. It was very gory. It was weird. Star Trek's not normally like that. No, it was odd. It's they, But they'll do it every once in a while. They'll go full Remick with it, but it is it is pretty rare. That's true. They did blow up Remick's whole fucking head. And, you know, we've seen some people with some ground beef faces and stuff. But <laughs> um, Matt, earlier I said this was not one of the very best Star Trek uh, Next Generations, but it mostly worked. Yeah. This is episode 122. Of the next generation. Okay. How many TNGs have scored above it without consulting Landry? Oh, well, let's see. I don't even remember what we... I don't remember what you gave it. What did you uh, give it? it 17? Uh, so I'll tell you that the total of this episode this week is 30. 
30, okay. I mean, that's not a good score. Uh, how many scored better? Yeah. How many TNGs have already scored better than this in week 122? 50. This episode that we think pretty much worked. Uh, 67. <laughs> this is so far the 68th the best episode of TNG by our rubric. <laughs> but still, pretty much worked. It pretty much worked, just not in the rubric. I did say, I think the episode's better than the scores I'm giving it. Yeah. But I, I the rubric's the rubric. Like, I... It did not do well in some of these things. It got general execution points, and that's all it got, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, with that said, and with uh, an hour and 30 minutes gone in this podcast... Well, that's all. I mean, that was going to be the one we were going to talk about. This it was, next plus one? we did a mailbag. <laughs> next, we get to talk about um, Voyager. Voyager finished second last week. Yeah. This week, we watched Tinker Tenor Doctor Spy. <laughs> Schmollis is giving a hot Italian pre-recorded performance for the crew. Everyone is enjoying it, so you know it's fake as hell. This guy, the actor is a singer, right? He thinks oh, he they is. wouldn't they wouldn't keep doing this? The cut to the tape was so yeah. obvious. It's like, this dude wouldn't have got to concert two if he was in Millie Vanilli. <laughs> It's fair. It was not great. Someone should have had the balls to do one live, even if the mess hall set didn't have good acoustics or whatever the problem was, right? Yeah. Well, also Tuvok goes pawn far crazy and attacks everyone, and the Doctor Hella smoothly sings him into submission and shit, so this is some Barkley-level holodeck nonsense. Except, no way, he was just daydreaming, but in a big way, like he couldn't hear Bolana calling his name big. Why do they let him do yeah. that? Yeah. Credits. <clears throat> By the is, way, yeah. uh, two words into the verse about Tuvok, I paused the show and told you I quit the project. <laughs> and it got so much worse. When, when he's saying... Tuvok, I understand. You, you are a Vulcan man. man. Yeah. I was like, nope. Yeah, no. Seriously? It got worse, though. Ah, uh, sorry. I should have goosed it. Tuvok, I understand. <laughs> you are a Vulcan man. Very good. Uh, you know, we put him in a goose suit. Goose I know him. last time he sang, I said we don't goose it on this show, but uh, goose he goosed it this time, so I goosed it. Yeah. Schmollis is mad he isn't on the away team to whatever fucking planet they're going to. And uh, it's because he wanted to take photos. You know, how he's into huge digital cameras. <laughs> Balana also tells him to shut himself off when he's not working, which is rude. To be fair, this episode aired a couple of years before Shannon had a camera that where the medium was floppy disks that you like <laughs> slapped a whole floppy disk Good in the side. God. But you got um, cool 640 by 480 resolution out of that, so. <laughs> God. Anything in that resolution now, you go, what the fuck am I looking at? I still have all those pictures. It's like fucking it. three pixels in here. This is ridiculous. Of my cross-country road trip. So if you want to see Mount Rushmore in 640 by 480. I never want to. I'll never do that. I asked if Bing could eliminate all low-res images from the internet, and it said it wanted to change the topic. <laughs> 
what a surprise. Yeah. Uh, on the bridge, Janeway gets a, f- a formal grievance letter from Schmollis. Yes. She scoffs at his complaint about people not recognizing his sentience. Uh, he also wants to be made captain in the event of a catastrophic emergency. So mm-hmm. there's some stuff going on with him, for sure. Um, uh, like, yeah. he doesn't, re- he obviously doesn't recognize that he ranks below Seven of Nine and Harry Kim in the <laughs> command hierarchy of his ship, huh? He's pretty fucking low. And he's, he must be overreaching so that he can negotiate to the middle or something. Because that's yeah, I guess. some shit. I guess start with what you really want, huh? Yeah. Um. Also, some uh, baked potatoes and high-collared outfits are watching Voyager from, I don't know, inside a, a comet or something. What the hell were they inside? I wasn't paying attention. Uh, they were inside a, a particular type of nebula. Uh, nebula, okay. Whatever. Yeah. Well, anyway, these big baked potato dudes. And a junior officer has gone way over his captain's head. Like, I fucking went straight to the hierarchy saying he wanted to. Now, to be fair, the fucking TOS-style card slot that you use to communicate with the hierarchy is right next to his station. That's true. They shouldn't put him there because he uses it. Yeah. He wants to keep studying Voyager, but the captain says it's too risky. But the hierarchy approves, so he can go ahead and keep watching out for him. I've seen this kind of guy on STO. The baked potato man? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been I've known these idiots were going to show up at some point. Yeah, I don't know much about them, but I think I have I think one of them's on my crew on my main. Yeah, you get you'll get one in the Delta Quadrant arc. Yeah. Anyway, uh back on Voyager uh, in a staff meeting, footstuff redacted. Schmollis is daydreaming badly again. All the ladies want him, and this scene is fucking awful. It feels like his program's breaking. His daydreams are incredibly disruptive. I I think we need to be clear about some of the terrible things that happened in this. Do we have to? Because I redacted it. Bolana has taken off one of her boots and socks and is rubbing his leg with her bare foot. God damn it. (laughs) Seven and nine keeps sending him sexy messages, but they're Borg sexy. They just say stuff like resist on mm. on his mm. little pad. Mm. Janeway, however, comes over and puts his hand on her ass. Yep. Yeah, she says on she, it. Got, she it hurts. It hurts right here, and she puts his hand. And then she slides it down onto her yep. butt. Yep, and all the ladies are mad at each other because they all want to do him so bad. I feel like the Picardo wrote this. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense that someone would write this scene. I'm going to tell you, I am here to tell you that I know that he didn't because this was not originally a Picardo show. This was not originally about the doctor. Someone else was having daydreams that bad. That is correct. This was about somebody else having daydreams that we will play guess the character when we get to the end. Okay. Well, anyway, his daydreams are very disruptive. Uh, it turns out this wasn't a staff meeting. He was just chatting with Janeway about his uh, crazy grievance letter. Uh, Janeway brushes him off, but then he starts daydreaming again. Yeah, he like, we... can't not daydream right now. Yeah, he just goes right into another daydream. And then we see the Potato Man spying on Voyager, but like spying through the doctor's eyes. And whoops, man, he only seeing those daydreams. This is going to be a silly romp. Yeah, Yeah, it's farce. It's pure farce at this point. On the potato drum, they talk about how helpless Voyager is. 
uh, they're all alone in the quadrant and they got no help. And, uh, but then this guy has also, since he's only tapped into the daydreams, none of the stuff he's seeing is really happening. And he just keeps talking about how cool the doctor is. It's, uh, again, it's hilarious. Uh, during the mission that Schmollis had to sit out, he daydreams that the Borg have incapacitated the crew and he has to become the ECH, the Emergency Command Hologram. Yep. And he protects the Damsel Seven and he beats the Borg. And the Potato Man thinks this is a real Borg confrontation. And he's like, man, this hologram is so cool. Ace Rimmer cool. Yeah. And that they're going to need to do a Type 3 stealth assault on these fuckers and the hierarchy approves so now we know that they're out here trying to do attacks on people the hierarchy is a machine you put your plan into and then it always approves your plan (laughs) it seems to approve every time uh the doctor is now starting to realize how bad his daydreaming is getting uh because he has to talk to an obviously fake choco um, and then he goes to engineering to get a checkup, but he starts daydreaming again, and he's obviously fucking lost control at this point. He tries to eject the warp core, and they gotta drag him away. Anyway, Balana puts his fantasies on blast by routing him to the holodeck, and everybody goes down and watches. Yeah. So yeah, it's Barkley all over again. Yeah. But Janeway starts to feel bad when she sees all the things he wants in life. Like, ah, he's just like a sad dope who wants people to think he's cool and maybe get a promotion or something. It's hollow pursuits, but it's even less fucking dignified. Like, oh, yeah. No, no, he he mentioned the three musketeers or something. Yeah, Barkley's imagining the three musketeers. And yeah, Troy is the goddess of empathy and she's wearing diaphanous robes. But he's just doing charcoal sketches of a naked seven of nine in his fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't draw nipples for some reason. Uh, no. Well, I got notes on that, too. The potato men are close to an assault, but our main guy is having second thoughts. He has started to realize the doctor is hallucinating. It's a real Mendon situation, though. Uh-huh. And the potato man is unable to find the courage to tell his boss what's happening. Uh, the doctor is temporarily fixed, but he is super embarrassed. Super embarrassed. Uh, he's not as embarrassed as I would have been. There would have been a fucking Shut myself note down. on the. There would have been a note on the console that said "No more EMH." <laughs> just gone. It's like good luck finding me, motherfuckers. It's just he just has put his hard light emitter right on top of that note. And he's, <laughs> he's just he's just not in the database anymore. <laughs> we tried to recall the the EMH and it just said nope on the on the console. <laughs> Um, Janeway starts looking into how she can help him get where he wants to be. She's like trying to find precedent for a, a hologram commanding a starship or something. But anyway, she's suddenly, like, you know, they won't even let androids do it. It's weird. She's weird that she didn't say that. I would have thought that would have been a good way to uh, bring up TNG again, which I know they like doing. They do. But suddenly the dude's daydreaming again. But this time the potato man is there. Warning. Schmollis about the coming attack. Schmollis becomes convinced that the guy is real, and he makes an appeal that kind of gets through to Schmollis, because he's also kind of a sad sack who hates his co-workers. <laughs> yep. Plus, he tells the doctor he likes him personally, which probably works for Schmollis pretty well. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, Schmollis goes to the bridge, and at first everybody doubts him, but after Harry makes the changes that they need to detect the vessels, everyone comes around. Uh, but Schmollis is going to have to be captain for this great plan to work, because he's got a... The guy, he, the guy can't lose face or whatever, so Schmollis has to pretend to be in charge, because the guy told him that earlier. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to do a little play. Uh, however, the plan on the alien ship changes, and they're now going to proceed with a Class 4 assault, which, um, that's much worse. And it puts the whole plan in jeopardy. Uh, the dudes show up, and they shoot Voyager, and they demand that Voyager hand over all their fucking loot or whatever. I don't remember what they're after. Dilithium? Who fucking cares? And, uh, after an exchange of fire, uh, Voyager loses phasers. Uh, Schmollis bluffs badly and says they're going to activate the photonic cannon and uh, this scares the aliens away because he'd been doing that in his fantasies earlier. Then the doctor gets a commendation and Janeway says she's authorizing a research project to explore his command abilities. End. What was this fucking episode about? I think the take of this episode is that you should not disdain a man's ambitions. Okay. Even if they're objectively disgusting to watch. <laughs> well, I mean, if you had to watch people's ambitions, I think a yeah. lot of the time you'd go, Ugh. Look, it's fine. I think that we do, as a society, kind of socialize people to believe that daydreaming is somehow suspect and that you know, instead of sitting there with your head in the clouds, you should be out working hard or whatever. Yeah, man, 996, just like the Chinese. <laughs> right. But um, this is this is pretty low on in the hierarchy of toxic masculinity, uh, Protestant work ethic problems we need to solve in the country. No one is really, there isn't really an anti-daydreaming crowd out there. No, and there's no, I don't think there's anybody who thinks that you shouldn't have ambitions to like you know maybe I could become you stretch stretch my legs and get into command. We'll talk about it again in tapestry, I assume. Yeah. Anyway, the take is not the problem with this episode. It's a little mild, so I gave it a four. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'll I'll scream myself hoarse about other parts. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was trying to link in the plots on both ships, and it must be something about how your dumb peon lackey is a real person with hopes and fears or something. But, <laughs> like, only a monster wouldn't realize this, but Janeway is a monster? She so... is absolutely a monster, and she has a huge... She has a blind spot you could drive two buses through <laughs> with regard to Schmullis, particularly. Yeah, so, like, it's, so I'm like, I don't know about in real life. I'm like, but in the show, I mean... She does suck ass, so I don't know. I gave it. It's it's a, it's a cold take, like you were saying. It's a three for me, because uh, uh, everyone knows, you know. And if you don't, you can eat it. But <laughs> yeah, you know? I'm just uh, saying. But, like, uh, wait, man, my subordinate's a real person. Yeah. Anyway, um, maybe you felt like it did a lot of good work oh, with yeah, regard yeah. to execution. No, this is definitely one of the good ones. Um. They could have hit the similarity between these two characters a bit harder, actually. These two losers in space. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know how much of a link was intended or if that was just something I noticed. Um, 
I don't know how many negative points for 50 daydreams. <laughs> this uh, well, is... <laughs> for me, two. This is this fucking... Is two, two point deduction for one or 50. Okay. This is Barclays holodeck shit mixed with Data's dreaming app. Uh-huh. Mixed with fucking Troy's bridge officer shit. TNG was cool, huh? Yeah. Boy, they sure liked it on this show. Yeah. They sure wish they were still making that. Uh, the doctor's gross on the outside, so no shit, he's gross in his daydreams, but they don't make it easy to feel sympathy for him. No, it's very difficult. Why did they approach their characters like that? DS9's like this, too. They're like, what if the whole crew sucked, though? Like, what am I supposed to be watching this for? I gotta come back every week and watch these assholes? Shouldn't I be rooting for somebody? Yeah. They could have, like, made his daydreams seem like earnest appeals for equal treatment or recognition. Uh-huh. Instead, he's Bashir in a spy program or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, there is a, there's a real undercurrent here. Because we're supposed, everyone is supposed to forgive him for the content of his daydreams, right? Yeah. It's not supposed to be an, like, yeah, all right, Seven makes a crack about it at the end. Mm-hmm. But we're not supposed to believe that this is going to be an ongoing problem between him and the rest of the ship. And so there is a real sense that... Yeah, it's okay to just have nonstop sexual fantasies about every opposite <laughs> gender yes. colleague. Also, why is he so with? powerfully gendered? He's a computer program. It's a real good question. Like, how much better is this episode if Tom Paris is coming onto him too, and he's, I mean, he's equally into it? I, it's definitely it's a, it is a twist that could not hurt the episode for sure. No, well, I mean, you're <laughs> gonna find out it literally couldn't have hurt the execution score for me. <laughs> I just don't understand. I don't understand the philosophy. It's like that after TNG, they went, well, we should make it like realistic and everyone doesn't always get along and people aren't always cool or whatever. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're writing a TV show. I have to hang out with these people every week. I want, I don't want to hang out with Bashir ever. When he comes on to the show, I go, ah, fuck. Schmullis, I don't want to hang out with this guy. I don't want to see him every week. Why would I want to see that? Unless they thought that what they really made was something hilarious and cool. Yeah. In which case, you know, this time they can eat it. Uh, so I just don't understand. I don't. I don't understand the philosophy. Just give me someone to root for that I can hang out with for an hour, and I feel okay about it. You know. Oh, that'd anyway. be great. I gave it a three. Uh well, let's start with some deductions. <laughs> um, daydreaming minus two. Yeah, obviously. Uh, I would not take the deduction. If we only saw it from the outside and they're like, man, where were you just there? And he's like, I was having a daydream and I can't control it. Mm-hmm. But no, we got to see it. All and we got to see it, by the way. I think we see it. Yeah. So we see it before the guy even invents the fucking special tunneling laser that allows him to tap into the daydreams. Oh, like, yeah. so we no, don't see it the whole time. only on Potato Man's screen or only in the holodeck after they've patched it in, right? We're seeing what the Doctor is experiencing in the opening scene. Uh-huh. So it's a two-point deduction. Then we got feet close-ups, foot stuff. I mean, that's a two-point deduction. You get a real deduction. close-up of a foot, and you yeah. just go, what are you doing? What's happening? And they didn't even oil this one up. <laughs> a dry foot. In, I mean, we've seen him oil some feet before. I'm surprised in the daydream he wasn't. He wasn't in what turns out to be ill-fitting pants, a dry oh. foot. Well, yeah, I mean, they never come really on with this. On the pants, they always got those dumb boots on and everything. Uh 
I don't know if I have been deducting points for implied nudity scenes. <laughs> I don't and know if you not... deduct points in any other ones where we could see Jolene Blaylock's bolt-ons. Yeah, I am not going to go back <laughs> through my Enterprise notes to find out. And I, or there's no she did a hand bra or whatever. There's no need to take an additional deduction this week. I just no. want to say I hated that too. Yeah, the fake seven nudity was not yeah. ideal. Isn't she already naked enough in these fucking shows? <laughs> For real, like even when she's entirely covered crack. up to her neck, she's also naked in the yeah. same way. It's bullshit. Uh, this episode, like you said, is half phantasms, a terrible TNG episode we haven't talked about yet. No. <laughs> And half Corbomite maneuver. Yes. Plus right. all the awkward little scenes across the various series where someone is just watching Star Trek as it's presented to us, but in universe. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Also, we have in this in this week we're softening up the actual Borg over on TNG. But now yep. we're introducing these hierarchy chodes, and they're like a crappy air-gapped Borg where someone has to <laughs> upload every decision manually into a central computer and wait for the response. Don't, I'm not going to lie. Did, wait, did we get an explanation of what the hierarchy is? Nah. No, okay. I, I uh, literally oh yeah. the, had no idea. By the way, idea. there may be people making those decisions at the other end. We, yeah. All we know about it is that it appears to be a soulless bureaucracy. Yes, I think that is intended, for sure. But these guys... They're so entertained by the hilarious antics that are Star Trek Voyager, huh? They yeah. love it so much, and they don't really have creativity, and they can't imagine Tuvok doing a horny Sarek in the mess hall or Bolana <laughs> taking off her boot and sock to play footsie with a hardlight hologram. Only the brilliant creatives, the true geniuses that are the yes. Star Trek Voyager writer room could do that. <sighs> it was not... Sure. Yep. Um, this is the worst thing I've ever seen on TV. <laughs> and I'm mad that I already had to give it points, so you know it gets zero here. I mean, you really did want to quit again. Voyager did it again. Voyager for sure I... is the one that most often makes you want to quit. I knew I wasn't going to like this episode where the Doctor sings opera. No, no, no. Once we knew the title of the episode, we knew it was going to be a stinker for sure. I imagined that he would just be singing an opera. That yep. we would just see... The first part where he sings La Donna Immobile. Sure. And then maybe he sings a little more and it's uh, fucking... It's part of Spycraft, though. He's doing it <sighs> sneaky. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Because I knew he was going to be doing some spy stuff. Well, I mean, it's in the episode. It. But it's... Anyway, it's a fat zero for me for execution. Sure. I mean, I get that. In fact, knock mine down to a two because I can't <laughs> think of anything good about it. <laughs> I don't think at any point in the episode it's like, this is some good stuff. Nope, that didn't happen. Uh, all right, well then, world building then. Um, we've got yet another weird, powerful alien species out here. Who knows whether we'll see these guys ever again or if they were one-offs. They, Maybe they, just an SDO, I don't know. They kind of built some pretty big costumes for these dudes, so I feel like A lot we'll of probably makeup see and costumes. Again. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> like, it seems like they can't be paying for all of this for one episode, but who knows? Yeah. Who fucking knows with Forger? They might jump 20,000 light years again, and then they might see them. I mean, if we gotta see those trash haulers again, I'm gonna fucking lose it. Uh, Schmollis is still allowed to fuck around with his own program, even though it's gone wrong every previous time. 
Even the one where he was like, what if I was Gandhi and Einstein and Aristotle and shit? <laughs> well, remember, what was it, last week when Seven's like, maybe you should, like, take control of your own program. I mean, it was, two, like, it was two weeks ago, but it was literally yeah. two weeks ago. And he's like, fucking good idea. Well, now you see. Yeah. Um, And I guess maybe they're going to do a research project into an emergency command hologram. An idea which seems to rely on the hard light emitter working, and I don't think they're reverse engineering that, so I might start there. Yeah. Yeah. But um, there's not a lot of world building, no. and it's also neither good nor bad. I gave it a two, and I could see a one. Well, it's funny you say that. <laughs> I gave it a one. <laughs> okay. I have the ECH idea, the doctor's daydreaming, these potato people. There's some Talaxian dream lore. Yeah. There's no precedent for a hologram commanding a Federation vessel. It's kind that you gave that one line world building credit where he asked Neelix about daydreams. <laughs> That's all I got, man. It's a one. This episode did everything badly and wasn't interested in world building. <laughs> so, not great. Characterization. Shmalas can daydream so hard he can't hear things in the awake world. Yep. And his daydreams are all about how every woman wants him and he's super cool and there's no fucking Klingon thugs in their violence gangs anywhere to be seen. No, he's already cleaned that up for sure. Yeah, he definitely had a daydream where he cleaned up the streets and killed all the Klingon youths. Or oh, but whatever. now he wants daydream continuity, so he's moved on. That's right. <laughs> Uh, Janeway's more patient than normal with Shmollis, but still kind of patronizing. At least she feels bad for him. No one else in the episode seems to. Um, others are in this one, mostly rolling their eyes. And then the guest got a lot of character work. Which is never a good thing, because I can't, I can't score them. I give it a two. Also, none of them was Jason Alexander, by the way. No, it would have been great to bring him back. <laughs> Why won't they bring him back? I don't know. I mean, I guess assuming it was pretty expensive. But Bring it back there and put it all over the ads like you did in real life. You'd just be like, Jason Alexander returns. <laughs> and then he can talk like this again. Um, um, yeah, so just a two uh, for me. I'm going to start here. I am I'm not a holy man, <laughs> and I am not above temptation. Okay. But I have never had a daydream about drawing a co-worker naked no. and... Watching it on TV, it felt psychotic. <laughs> I mean, look, it's like, it's like, I don't know how you could miss, you do that. Look, I fought for this country. <laughs> and it doesn't mean I get to say what's right, but. <laughs> okay, so the reason people sketch other people nude is because they want to have sex with them right in these movies like where this is a sex a sexy thing in a titanic or whatever right yeah. but like they gotta work up to that right right this is your daydream you could just daydream <laughs> having the, you can do the sex now you can do yes. it however you want who daydreams about sketching somebody naked Yes, is this part of what? a law? Is this part of a daydream series about the seduction of Seven of Nine? <laughs> it's where so she, weird. Because does he? Uh, maybe he doesn't know that she's like take off your uniform as regards <laughs> sex, and that he doesn't need <laughs> right. to build it up like this with her. It's just. 
And so then, of course, the scene where he imagines his three female co-workers fighting over him was absolutely wild. Horrifying. Uh, The doctor should be sent on a special away mission into the sun in a photon torpedo tube. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned. Okay, uh, good news, doctor. You're getting that away mission just like you wanted. Here's the mission. I also think Seven should be mad that everyone just stood there. Yeah, looking look at, at a hologram her of her naked. Simulated nakedness. Yeah. And you know, he's a pretty good computer as well. He probably got it right. I mean, he's seen her naked. He Even if he her. didn't, do you think, wouldn't the holodeck do it? Do you think the holodeck doesn't know? I mean, whoever did it, I'm sure simulated it perfectly because it's the right. space future or whatever. So that's, you know, those are her tits and everything, her her bush. Or lack thereof. The only time we've ever seen a hologram not get it right is when Data somehow programmed Riker's hair wrong that's, in the stupidest joke that's yet been say, in Star Trek. I can only say that, as we've said, Noonien Soon was not a software guy. <laughs> that's he <true>. just wasn't. <laughs> he just wasn't. He's all 100% a hardware guy who like thought, he just went, ah, well, I'm, I'm a genius, I can do it, and like wrote his own software that was pure shit. Yeah, Data's definitely like a MacBook Pro. Like The hardware is all great, but... <laughs> yeah. Man, you try to try to try to set it up to do exactly what you want it to do in software. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, is this going to be the incident that finally gets Janeway to start thinking of this doofus as more than just a computer program? That would be so insulting. Because she sat in an empty room with him for weeks while he agonized over having to choose a patient to treat. And that didn't do it. No. Now, but now he did a medium bad bluff and she thinks maybe they've been limited in their conception of his abilities. They were like, there were, have been so many more earnest, heartfelt appeals for Uh him than this farce of an episode. But suddenly she's like, I don't know though. It was, I mean, the only thing that maybe they did right in this whole episode was her looking at him accepting an award in his daydream and going, oh. He just doesn't want to be chat on by everybody all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I kind of get it now. That's the only thing they did right in the whole episode. Um, Bottom line, when it comes to scoring this, I don't think anyone else is in this episode, and I yeah. don't fuck with Schmollis now, so... <laughs> I give it a one. All right. That's fair. <laughs> I don't know how long your list is. My list is very long of people on Star Trek I don't fuck with. I mean, it just it gets longer and longer, basically. No one really gets off the list is the problem. No, that's, yeah, they never turn them around. Only, people only ever get worse in these shows. Uh, quick ones. <sighs> um. Well, first I wrote this is intolerable. Yeah. Uh, I don't like it any better, by the way, that Shmullis daydreams about Tuvok getting too cranked and having to knock him out. <laughs> Like, I know well, I talked about his daydreams about his female colleagues, and I don't yeah. like those. I don't like that one either. That one felt racist. He got the Didn't palm it? far. And then also, later on, Tuvok's the first one to get borged. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait a minute. What's happening to he Tuvok? Does go bo- he does get borged first. He's got a thing about Tuvok. He's got one of those secret Tuvok grudges that we always find out about. In case you thought that the... Um, I know I talked a lot of shit. Probably 20 or 30 minutes worth. Uh, in T in the TNG episode this week about how they didn't understand computers. Yeah. In case you thought that the Voyager writers writing seven years later did, no, nah, I didn't. Uh, they put into Schmollis's mouth the line: "Multiple tasking is second nature to me." 
multiple, multiple tasking. That's, that's what, what we call it. it. That's what people call it. That's what, that's what we it call every it every day. Um, in an episode where there was so much to hate, Matt, mm. I wrote. Fuck, dude. The CGI of the rank pips is the worst thing I've ever seen. I almost yartsed. Yo, man, you are not kidding. I have here, man, what was worse? The pips appearing on his collar in the worst CGI ever? Or the childlike paintings of Seven's body? The pips, like her head dude? looks kind of okay, and then the body is like this weird... Like like a four-year-old drew it. He didn't daydream that he was good at drawing. He just <laughs> daydreamed that she was naked. And then he just drew it. Those pips appearing was fucking crazy how bad it was. It's so bad. And then they come back to it a second time so that Jaywick can look at it and go, nice. <laughs> Fuck. So bad. It's like they just used an Adobe Gradient. So that it looked like there were, it just was a gradient from gold to black. So that it looked like there was a shadow. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, I laughed very hard when it happened. It was so bad. I was like, did um, he daydream that his effect would be terrible? Is that like a joke that he made in his daydream about how I, bad the CG would be on his own program? Yeah, man. I Look, I don't get it. It's, mm. but it's like. It's worse than anything in Babylon 5. It's worse oh my than God, the, yeah. when the pilot of Babylon 5 when the <laughs> fucking Narn heavy cruiser pops up and I go, oh no. And it's a bad cutscene from Final Fantasy 7 and you're like, oh no. That's it, did all, it judders the way Final Fantasy 8 does when it cuts from the, <laughs> from the live action, action into the cutscene. <laughs> but these fucking four rank pips popping in. So Jesus. bad. Jesus. Yeah, it's bad. Um... At the point where they're watching his daydreams, actively watching them, uh, the humane thing to do is to euthanize him and to promote Tom Paris to doctor, right? <laughs> I mean, Harry Kim made a lot of strides in creating a new EMA. Oh, that's true. He at least knows how to access Grey's Anatomy. Maybe he should be the doctor. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Maybe do it that way. <laughs> when he said to Janeway, if I've lost your respect... And she said to him, that will never happen. <laughs> I laughed she out never loud. Had any, she what never respect? had any respect for him. This has been, this is, we're in the it's sixth not, we're not season now. That. That's not us just saying that. No. I mean, that's in the show. It has been five seasons of her showing him absolutely no respect mm-hmm. to the point that multiple other characters have t- yep. uh, commented on it to her. Yep. Recently, even. She's the last person on this ship to acknowledge that he might have some kind of sentience. Yeah. She compared him uh, to a replicator one time. So. Recently. That was not in yep. season two. So That was recent. Just saying. <clears throat> the Potato Man is the Doctor's only friend? Yeah, it's very sad. It's extremely sad. Well, yeah, after Kess left, that was it, man. Uh-huh. Um, all right, do you want to guess now uh, who was originally going to daydream in this script? I mean, I don't know how else the script would work. Who else is going to be having such bad daydreams? Um, Tuvok. Oh, no, that would have been cooler. Um, this was announced as being in production. Like, this made it late as mm. a script where Neelix daydreamed. 
Okay, I mean, I get the silliness. Right. He's sometimes a silly character. So this is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Someone read The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, the short story, and said, oh, we should do that. And then obviously Neelix is the comedy character. Yeah. And then late, they could, late probably couldn't the think game, of a plot. They probably couldn't, they, like, <laughs> okay, he's daydreaming, and what? Yeah, but, like... Telepathic aliens come, and they are experiencing his daydreams and think it's real. It's Voyager's real existence. It made it... Is that that version of it? Into production as Neelix. I know. And then they had to rewrite it as the Doctor. And, yeah, it makes the technology part easier to understand. I mean, and it kinda, meant that they could show his bullshit. daydreams in the holodeck. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> hmm. Well, anyway. I wonder if the if Neox was crazy horny in his daydreams, too. Of course he was. Of he course. Was. All the ladies wanted him. Because that's what the writer wanted to write. Um... Look, I gave Best Actor this week to Tuvok, very kindly offering to deal with Shmolus' list of demands when he sends them up to Janeway. And he's That's like, right. he says, you protocol know, allows either Commander Chicote or myself to take care of this for you. It says any two arch enemies on the senior staff can handle it. That's right. <laughs> if you don't have any arch enemies, then it would be on you. But you're in luck. There are arch enemies on your senior staff. As far as worked at, act, worst actor goes, I mean, pick a potato, man. <laughs> I, maybe it's really hard to act through that big old suit. I assume it is. It is challenging, but like, there's the they fail to generate any empathy for anything that's happening in that side of the plot. It's true. All right. Um, here's what I got: playing yeah. with Star Trek tropes, all the warp core breach will occur faster than you thought stuff. You know, Voyager does this a lot where they poke fun at Star Trek. And then you go, but why aren't you, like, good at poking fun at Star Trek? You know, like how Lower Decks is. Couldn't yes. you do that? But then they're not that good at it. Um, since in this fiction that the guy is seeing, the daydream fiction, they already repaired all the Borg damage... Couldn't he have just said the captain also recovered due to the doctor's brilliance? And then he he wouldn't have to be the captain, but <laughs> then we wouldn't get all this great smallest stuff, I guess. Couldn't so. they have uh, slapped a fake hard light hologram on her and she could have announced herself as the emergency command hologram Mark II? Sure. Yeah, that could have worked too. Yeah. But then we wouldn't have got this great smallest stuff where he's so nervous. That they're doing the fucking oldest gag in the fucking galaxy. Where <laughs> they're he, doing he's repeating, Say goodnight, Gracie. Yep. He's repeating everything that Janeway's saying, including the stuff that he's not supposed to repeat. Man, that's so funny. It's so funny that we both quit the project forever. <laughs> <laughs> we're not even going to talk about Deep Space yeah, Nine. We're done for the week and forever. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never know who won this week. <laughs> We just well, know it wasn't Voyager. You'll know it wasn't Voyager. <laughs> god damn, Voyager. Oh my god. I just keep thinking back to season one when we were like, man, DS9 sucks so hard. How come they can't get it together like Voyager? And then... Jesus. Yeah, it's really turned around. Yep. All right, we did do another one. God. Yeah, uh, I'll let you know that this episode scored 14 points. Um <laughs> And to find a Voyager episode that scored lower than that, you have to go all the way back to um, 
Equinox Part 2, Week 119, which did only <laughs> score 12 points. Yeah, so, so just you know, three episodes not, ago. Yeah, yeah just, like, uh, just a little bit ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah they suck. <sighs> well, the winner last week was Deep Space Nine in the story where Jake had to get a baseball card <laughs> for his dad. We were both surprised. Talked about it over and over again, how shocked we were we didn't hate it. And by the way, it scored 36 points, so it would have won this week also. Yeah. Uh, but this week we watched uh, Call to Arms. Wow. All right. Rom and Lita are talking wedding prep. I assumed that shit would be interrupted because normally if you're talking about wedding stuff, it ain't going to go off. Uh, Yeah, sometimes the person dies. That definitely happened in that TOS episode. Yep. Uh, Garrick is helping uh, helping him prep with Zial's help. Third Zial. O'Brien sent his family back to Earth because the space war is just on the verge, son. It's coming. It's already been, been, a, been a while since we saw Keiko anyway, and now it's guns to be a while. <laughs> yeah, we've been slow burning the space war for three years, but it's happening. Uh, Rom and Lita ask for the emissary, Ben Sisko, to be there, a wedding boss, or whatever normal people call it. And just then, a crowd gathers to watch the wormhole. A buttload of Jem'Hadar ships come through, and I guess they've been doing that on like regular intervals for a while. Starfleet really is a p- fucking punk bitch organization, huh? <laughs> it's it is pretty letting, wild. Letting them send just hundreds of warships in here. Look, we saw uh, two weeks ago, maybe, that the Dominion don't appear to be attempting to control the wormhole at all. They don't have anyone stationed no. on the other side. You go to the other side, it's just empty. And somehow it's the same here. It's just fucking free yeah. passage. Everywhere, both ways. Anyway, credits. Um... Jaco wrote an article about Cisco opposing the Bajoran Dominion non-aggression pact, and Cisco's not happy about that. Then Odo and Kira are weird around each other, and Dax is just hearing about it. As she has been weirdly absent lately. She, it's, she, true she hasn't, week. it's true she hasn't been around much lately. Uh, finally, Nog uh, spills the hot goss about the Romulans signing a non-aggression uh, pact with the Dominion. Which Cisco poo-poos, and then he immediately confirms. Uh, the Miradorn and the Tholians also signed up with the Dominion. Again, these are not aggression pacts, so they're not like alliances. But anyway, Cisco says Starfleet has decided to finally do something about all this, and they're going to mine the entrance to the wormhole. And Cisco says a line he clearly practiced in his head 1,000 times. He says, maybe so, but one thing's for certain, we're losing the peace. Yeah, and a war should sure. be our only hope. He definitely uh, correctly anticipated and practiced a response many times too. You know that's going to lead to war. He had this. He had this conversation in his head one fucking thousand times. Probably he said he that to the on admiral hope. when he called it in. Right? He's like, yep. "It's going to lead to a war," and the admiral probably said to him, "Maybe so, but we've been losing the peace." Yep. And Cisco was like, "I'm going to steal that." That's right. Uh, Dax and O'Brien are joined by the world's greatest engineer, Rom, to find yeah. a mine solution for the wormhole. 
I mean, as they, far as we know, he's the only other engineer on this station. Munoz is dead, and O'Brien's uh, strip-out team from three weeks ago was dead, so... Oh, yeah, those guys beefed it hard on uh, old Ampok Noor. I think it's just Rom and that Once upon one, a time, he had a Bajoran assistant, but Bajoran, she turned out to be an assassin. <laughs> he was he was attached to it until it turned out she was an assassin. Yeah. Uh, they eventually hit upon the idea of self-replication. The mines will just keep replicating buddies if some of them are destroyed. They're also going to cloak them. I had to put both fingers in my ears and just going, ah, nah, 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 while they were talking about that. <laughs> Cisco says... They aren't getting any reinforcements, and Starfleet has their reasons, so it's just going to be DS9 and the Defiant, and I guess Martok's little bird of prey is hanging around, the Rataran full of losers. Yep. Um, Odo and Kira agree not to do sex until the current crisis is averted, and that is very big of them. Uh, specifically, Odo tells her he's not even going to ask her about it until no. after the crisis is over, and she is visibly grateful. She's very relieved. <laughs> Wayun comes to protest the mining of the wormhole. There's lots of cool banter between Cisco and Wayun, each knowing the other won't budge, but pretending to come to some kind of an agreement. Cisco says there'll probably be a war tomorrow. Uh, and he tells Kira he wants the Bajora, I, I wish he'd called them that, to sign a treaty with the Dominion to ensure their safety, that non-aggression pact again. Uh, the station's evacuated of uh, non-essential personnel and the Bajora. And uh, Garrick says goodbye to Zial. And Rom does get married to Lita, and then he sends her to Bajor while he stays to do important stuff. And the big Dominion Cardassian fleet arrives to take the station and take down the minefield. Big montage of everybody getting ready for the big fight. They're going to have to delay the Dominion long enough for the Defiant to finish... Laying all those mines, so there's some kind of clock, though it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they said some nonsense about if you act to try to activate her early, the mines will set the other mines off, and it's like, I don't know why that's not a problem once they're all in place. <laughs> yeah. It seems like it'd be worse. <laughs> yeah. And also, she says, like, they need an hour, and unless there was some incredible time whoopsies in this episode, that's, they don't, they don't take anywhere near that long. There's like six minutes of shooting. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Martok, like I said, is there with his shit bird of prey to help, but otherwise it's gonna be all DS9. Lots of shooting. So much shooting happens. They spent all their special effects budget on this, but luckily they'll get to keep using these same scenes over and over again for the next few <laughs> it's years. true. Dukat and Wayun are pissed off to find out DS9's shields are holding. I guess they won't go down like those punks on the Venture. <laughs> that ship went down quick. Yeah. Who says there's never a Chinaman around when you need one? Sorry, did I just throw a quick hitter right into the description? Yeah, I think you did. It's Klingon. It's Klingon in the original. As always, just replace it with a real-life ethnic origin to hear how bad it sounds. Um, it would be great if Martok, who was, I think, on the line at yep. that point, said, who, ha who has been saying that? Did someone say that? Who's been saying there's never a Klingon around when you need I'm, one? There's been I've so been, many Klingons around. I've been here for weeks. You could I mean, have come and seen me. We've had a presence here for years now. I've been hanging out with Nog. I would have hung out with Dax. Come on. <laughs> she knows about Klingon stuff. What's going on? I feel like you guys needed to tell me this stuff now. I, I mean, before now, because now I, I just I feel like there's been a lot of bad blood. I just got morale that. turned around on this ship. The minefield is completed, finally. And it, and it cloaks all up. <clears throat> and then Cisco gives the evacuation order. Worf and Dax part... 
he's going to go off to the Rataran. But Dax tells him, uh, I guess we can get married when we get back together. And uh, Cisco addresses Morn and all the other station weirdos. And he says, they didn't get the reinforcements because Starfleet and Klingon ships uh, did a, a cool attack on some Dominion shipyards in Cardi space. And it's not because they didn't have enough FX budget. <laughs> That's a lie. I mean, honestly, they show a whole Starfleet Starfleet fleet at the end of this, so like, Should've they used spent them. money on it. <laughs> yeah. The Defiant with Garrick aboard leaves the station and joins a big old Starfleet task force. Um, Odo and Kira welcome the Dominion, but first they fry every system on the station, because like, now it's a Bajoran station. Uh... Quark uh, dumps all the root beer and gets the station ready for the Cardis, but Rom is there pretending to do his old job. But then he says out loud that he's a spy. <laughs> he like does Dexter. say it out loud. He's like Dexter. He, he just tells Dexter. everyone he meets he's a serial killer. <laughs> Seriously, by the end of Dexter, he runs into someone. He's like, hey, by the way, I'm a serial killer. Anyway, don't tell anyone. You probably anyone. heard of me. I'm Dexter. Dexter the serial killer. Don't tell anyone, though. Um, also, Jake is just sitting in the bar. He was supposed to leave, but now he's a cool reporter, and he's just gotta cover this war from, like, behind enemy lines or something. He doesn't um, remember the episode where Bashir was very cool and he shit his pants, I guess. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Cisco's pissed when he finds out, but he can't go back to get him, so Jake, Jake goes on his own. Yeah, I guess he's gonna try to channel Jack Cisco out there. Um... <laughs> Dukat and friends board the station. Wayun greets his god, Odo. Dukat's happy he's got the band back together. You know, him and Kira and, and Odo. They're going to do so many executions out here. Oh, yeah. No investigation. They find everything busted in ops, but Cisco left his baseball in his office. So, that's a message. It's not like the time I left a clock in the bathroom when I moved three months ago. <laughs> Though I hope the old lady who bought the condo thinks I was sending her a message. It's pooping time. Yeah, man, that clock had poop particles all over it. I don't need it. That's the end of the episode, man. What what happened? What was the one? Does this have a take? I mean, this is the one I spent the most time on. Uh, like, you went over it. Pretty quickly, uh, this episode just shit never stopped happening. Yep, it, it was, was kind of like cut, Way of the cut, Warrior, cut, but cut. only one episode instead yes. of two. <laughs> um, but I suppose there is actually a take you can construct from this, which is that sometimes you have to put other things, duty, etc., ahead of personal relationships. There you go. Yep, N- that's what I came up with. Too. Yeah, nearly everyone in this episode says goodbye to someone they love, um, yeah. and also the other person pretty much without exception, understands why they can't be together, right? Yep. And we get a lot of... We get a lot of messaging in the media that make relationships seem like the most important thing there is. Yeah, there are a lot of shows where it's... uh, The love story is sort of the most important Yeah, it's the only thing that matters. Yeah. So I'm not really mad at the take, (laughs) but it was definitely an afterthought and kind of just the natural consequence of having this war plot where everybody's saying goodbye. So... Like, they weren't really trying for anything particularly. Yep. Um, I gave it a four, and I could see a five. Okay, well, I was a little bit lower because I couldn't think of a way to crystallize it at all. Yeah. So this episode was about putting personal stuff aside in times of great crisis, but I don't really know what the takeaway there is. Like, Cisco makes sure Bajor's taken care of before the big fight. 
and he can't sacrifice the Defiant for Jake. And Dax and Worf agree to marry, but after shit calms down, and Kira and Odo agree to wait on romance, and O'Brien sends his family away, and Rom and Lita get hitched, but then Lita's sent away. So everyone's doing their patriotic best. But is that it? Always do your patriotic best? I don't know. I, I couldn't really figure out what, if you were to crystallize it, what the take would be. I think you're right. It's just, I don't know, in times of crisis, there are personal stuff has to go away and it's like i don't know does anyone disagree with that that's kind of the problem with it right yeah so i only give it a i only give it a two okay uh but how did you think it was execution wise i mean a lot happens yes uh like you said it had way too many plot points to fit into one episode but they just decided to ram jam them all up in there anyway so there's not a lot of substance it's just things happening very quickly over and over again and you'd think after three years of slow burning this war you'd want to take your time and get it right but last week we did a baseball card auction yeah like spend some time on it guys i came away very lukewarm on this despite a lot of like big important world building type stuff happening a lot of plot happened special effects and drama but it was like I didn't feel like it was much of an achievement I only gave it a four. Oh, so we are a little bit apart here okay uh, so first of all I agree it packs a lot of stuff into 44 minutes or however long Deep Space Nine is yeah and that means it leaves a lot of stuff out too sure like we don't really understand why defeating this one Dominion shipyard is worth risking the minefield around the wormhole, for sure. instance. They don't say anything about it. Yeah, like sh- surely if we had five, you know, five Excelsiors there, better chance that minefield gets complete, right? Yeah. We don't know why Deep Space Nine shields are suddenly plot grade strong in a way that catches the Dominion by surprise. Yep. Literally, the the enemies are like, "Whoa, they're better now," but like we didn't even get told we were better. No. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, told me self-replicating minds aren't really well explained yeah but those are pretty minor quibbles okay i think on the whole the episode does a good job of advancing the dominion war plot in a way that makes sense and then also tracks with all the stuff cisco's been doing this year as the emissary right the non-aggression yeah. pact the thing where he had the ob- weird obelisk dreams and changeling bashir did a brain operation and he <laughs> told them not to join the federation and if that hadn't happened they would have been in a you know bajor would have been the first planet to fall right so horrifying to think of all the things that changeling bashir was involved in that the writers clearly didn't remember yeah they don't mention that but yeah. that did happen um, it sends up a pretty tense beginning for season six, but without being a specific to be continued cliffhanger, right? Yeah, because as we will find out, can't get credit for it here. We're just entering the world of to be continued. Every episode is essentially <laughs> to be continued, right? <laughs> like there will, there will be occasional filler episodes that pop up like the baseball episode for, for an example. Yeah. But most of what we're doing is the continuing story of the giant space war. So. Right. But it's like, there's whatever happens next week, it's not going to be Equinox Part 2, where we're just like, I guess nothing that happened in Part 1 mattered. That's right. 
Yep. Um, it also splits up the cast, which is interesting. Yes, and that's why I think it'll be more interesting going forward. Because yep. they all split up at the end. So we'll get to see if that makes the show different or better in any way. Right. So I m- thought this one executed fairly well. I gave it a seven. Interesting. Okay. Uh, world building. I mean, there's some for sure. Mines yeah. in space. That's a big third rail, and I'm sure I'll talk about it forever if you want. But like, well, okay, let's get into it. I wish they hadn't <laughs> said self-replicating mines. Okay. <laughs> right? Like, I wish they had just said something else. I don't know okay. what. I don't know what that thing would have been. Big ass mines. Okay. We're going to put big mines or something. But as soon as you get into self-replicating mines that I'm like, so where do they get the energy? Yeah. How can they just continually make more mines? What's Also, isn't the whole point that it comes from matter? Yeah, exactly. So where's, what's the what are they, what matter? What are they replicating? Yeah, what are they drawing on here? Mm-hmm. How can they... If such a thing was possible, like, forget scarcity... Uh, yeah. Use this same technology and make self-replicating galaxy-class starships. Well, dude, take a look at that last shot. I mean, okay. Perhaps they have cracked it. <laughs> Maybe they have cracked the code, but it sure seemed like something Rom came up with yes, in the moment. It did. Yeah, um, man, the amount of galaxy-class starships you're going to see in the next two years of DS9 is going to... Oh, well, it angered me. I don't know how you'll feel about it, but it was just like... <laughs> Just all the time. Out Isn't that great? But we have to remind ourselves that the TNG technical manual that said that there were only six of them plus six uncompleted space frames is not canon. I get that. I just, you never see any of them. You only see oh, the yeah. Yamato that gets all blowed up and you see the Enterprise and you never hear about any other ones. But then in season six of DS9, there's fucking 500 That of is them. true. Although by this point in our project, we've also seen LaForge on the Challenger. Uh, and of course we saw the venture, which and uh, we saw the venture eat it, yeah. eight hundred dicks. Yeah. Um, we get a fair amount about Ferengi wedding rituals, whatever the bridal auction is, and yeah, it doesn't sound great, but uh, like the Bajorans, they also marry in the nude, but women only. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, there's some Bajoran politics in this. Uh. Kai Wynn and the Council of Ministers and they formally... God, that's such a good band name. The Council of Ministers? Kai Wynn and the Council of Ministers? Ministers. (laughs) Shit, yeah, dude. (laughs) What should we play? What kind of music should we play? Weird Midnight Oil stuff, right? Yeah, of course. The weirdest shit you can think of. (laughs) We just make up a bunch of political illusions, just like Midnight Oil always does. That's right. It can even be based on uh, fake sci-fi stuff. It's whatever we want. That is a good one. Uh, rest in peace, actress who plays Kai Wynn. I know. Yeah, we'll still put her face on the album, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, although, don't you ride for Opaka? I don't. Okay. She, she was kind of a silly old fool who didn't tell people things they needed to know. I mean, she's still alive on that planet with uh, Jonathan yeah. Banks. She's as alive as Jonathan Banks is. <laughs> That's right. what that means. <laughs> Um, we, no a one's lo- even thought about them in years. <laughs> no one's working on that. No one's trying to crack no. that one. Everyone's just like, oh. uh, Bashir immediately got distracted by that other planet where people went to that <laughs> healer to die. Yeah, Trevelyan or whatever. He's so was. mad about that shit. Um, 
uh, there's some there's a lot of little stuff going on in the Wayun Ducat scenes about yes. who's really calling the shots, and there's a lot of little power play stuff in there. Thank God Mark Alamo's on the show, man. Yeah. And uh, I mean, our buddy Demar's hanging around there too, but Demar's he's not around, really, but he's he's not he really a character yet. Yeah, he hasn't found his character. That actor doesn't know what he's doing right now. He's gonna. We know he's gonna. He'll figure it out. Season seven, Demar is uh, is a fascinating character. Yeah. Uh, there's a Federation news service, but then the main thing is the the war kicking off and the you know the specific way that happens and all the stuff with the reinforcements to the wormhole and shipyards, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So I gave it a five for world building. And here's where I put the points. There's just uh, so many things that happen that sort of change the way that the universe is going to play out. And mm-hmm. like you said, they do it in a way that I think a lot of it makes sense. So they get a lot of points in this one for me. Um, Jem and Ar have been sending mad ships through the wormhole lately. And then there's a big mining of the wormhole starts a big space war. The Toros three shipyards destroyed by a combined Starfleet Klingon task force. So already we're seeing combined fleets. Uh, in this space war between the Starfleet and Klingons. Uh, DS9 gets retaken by the Cardi slash Dominion Alliance. Lots of people signing non-aggression packs with the Dominion. Federation shields work better now against Jem'Hadar weapons. Big Starfleet task force in the end of the episode, which is nuts for a fleet that can usually only scrape together a few ships at a time. Yeah, I guess they've had a lot more time to put this together than they did to put together Hansen's Borg task force, which probably also caught Starfleet by surprise by being pretty close to Earth. Yep. Yeah, that one was, uh, they were on a tight timeline, and same thing for the Romulan detection grid one, uh, where they had to scrape ships together. But still, you always get the feeling there aren't enough ships. Uh, that combined with the constant, we're the only ship in the sector bullshit that happens on these shows. Yeah. Um, so this is where the points came for, came in for me. Big happenings of several kinds. I gave it an eight. Okay. Characterization. Jake's a reporter now? Yeah. I don't know when that happened. Well, I mean, wasn't he... Didn't he want to be a a, a fiction writer? (laughs) His last, the last time he interacted with war, wasn't he also doing a report? Yeah, for a like piece a for a magazine or whatever. He's like, I'm gonna write a magazine piece, but now he's a, oh, I'm a serious, I'm a war reporter. Well, now. he looked dead down the barrel of the camera this week and said, "Don't worry, I'm still gonna write Anselm." <laughs> and um, I'm just not gonna look like Tony Todd later. Yeah, um, just don't get your hopes up about that. And I, I guess I appreciate it because young people are stupid as fuck, and Jake in particular seems dumb. So he's like, a wildly naive character. For so someone probably, who has had lots of opportunities to see real shit happen. Yeah, so he probably would do something really fucking stupid like this, I guess. Rom is a wreck about his wedding, and he's also a brilliant engineer. Uh, he sends Lita off to Bajor so she, he can play spy on Tarok Noor. Uh, Odo and Kira get their relationship cleared up for now. Quark is a real jerk for most of this episode, but I guess he loves his brother, question mark. Garrick is still dating Zial. He has a scene where he says he regrets not icing Gul Dukat during that other episode. Way of the Warrior, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, Dukat is annoyed at his subservience to the Dominion, but still gets a W this week. Gets to walk around. Good old Terok Nor. Cisco protects Bajor first and foremost, which again lines up with what he's been up to this season, finally embracing his role. Dax doesn't have any wharf business in the whole episode until the last scene where she proposes to him. 
Well, sure. Kind of. She announces that she accepts a proposal that he didn't make. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, which by itself is a real bullshit proposal. And she was like, didn't you want to marry me that minute that you thought about me sexually in the holodeck? Because you're a fucking weird religious slash terrorist when yeah. your girlfriend's mad at you. Anyway, it was weird and out of nowhere, especially since she hasn't even been in the show recently. Uh, Worf was also barely in this one, but now he'll be off on a Klingon adventure, it sounds like. Yeah, that's what they're setting up anyway. I found uh, the Cisco stuff played and made sense. A lot of the other stuff was kind of weak. It's great having Gold Ducat around. I gave it a five. Uh, I was one lower than you on this. I think it's interesting how many minutes Garrick got in this episode. Yeah, usually he ain't even around. He was he missed like fucking ten episodes in a row not that long ago. Yeah. But they're like, don't worry. Whatever's going to happen next year with this Dominion War, etc., Garrick's going to be around. You're going to need some Garrick in your life. And they brought back Zeal. I'm telling you, they're ramping up to have 50 main characters is what's happening. Yeah, kind of. Like, that's really what happens. Is they're just, you're flying, it's like Game of Thrones. You're just flying all over the place. Um... I thought there wasn't a lot from Odo. Like, he had the good sense to put his own romantic life on hold while everything else gets turned upside down. But we don't get anything about working for Ducat again. A decision which he makes, which it doesn't seem like he needed to. That's one of those things that is a casualty of there being way too much in this episode. Or working alongside Dominion troops who think of him as a god. Yeah, there are a couple angles there. Yeah, but we don't, that's just not in this. I dare say they will get points for that later. We only get... cannot put that in here. The barest glimpse of what Kira's thinking, but she is in a position where she has to welcome back Cardassians in general and Gul Dukat in particular to Deep Space Nine. I think he threatened to kill her the last time they were together. Right. All we get from her on that is she does her formal protest about handing over Deep Space Nine and then goes to stand behind Sisko so that we know that she still supports him, right? Yeah. But like... Nothing, nothing from her. Like, there could be a whole scene that was about nothing but Kira and Odo's reactions to the idea of the Cardassians coming back, right? And maybe there yeah. will be in season six. But... Yeah, that's what, was, that's what I was saying. Like, I, they just don't don't have time here, so they can't get points for it here. Maybe they'll get points for it later. Who knows? Uh, there's no goodbye scene between Jake and Nog. No, and even on the Defiant, Nog isn't like, oh, no, my best friend, Jake. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's not the one who brings Cisco the news. Like, there's, it's just nothing. And I get it. We got to see them pal around one last time before the war last week, right? Like, yep. they had a whole outing. So it's, maybe that one is just yeah, on the cutting it, it wouldn't floor. have taken long, though. It wouldn't have just taken Just a reaction long. shot of Nog maybe looking at his console and going, Jake! Yep. Just something. Anything at all. Uh, And I had thought, that Jake learned enough from his mission with Bashir not to volunteer for this kind of thing. But here we are. <laughs> he must have felt embarrassed, despite everyone looking at the article he wrote and going, you did very good. Yeah. He must be embarrassed. He wants to correct that. Um, And like you said, Dax and Worf have been on the back burner for so long that this wedding proposal comes out of nowhere. It's 100% out of nowhere. So I thought it was a, a mixed bag. Like you, I think the main thing uh, with Cisco and his his role both in Starfleet and as the emissary was handled correctly. But yeah. there was a lot of other stuff that I was I thought was a little shakier this week. I gave it a four. Okay. Quick hitters. <sighs> Garrick's whole wedding dress catalog. 
They've looked at every dress in the catalog. There are no more to look at. Yeah. Is 153 items. Yeah, he didn't come prepared, did he? I mean, I know like, Not, you'd think 153, you'd be able to find one. But. No writer on this show participated in their wedding, right? In the planning of their wedding. <laughs> I mean. There's a, there's 150, I bet there's 153 different dresses at a, any regular David's Bridal. Yep, I mean, uh, a couple of them have a bitch of an ex-wife, but most of them <laughs> never got that far, <laughs> to be real. But also, like, for the ones who did get married, they just showed up. Yeah, he's exactly right. And But they can't figure out why their wife's such a bitch, though. Yeah. Even though they were never around for anything important. Um, Take but that, also, writers. Uh, do you think Campio's mom's what dress is in there? Is one of the 153? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Garrick has that in there. I don't know. Also, are they all hand-painted plates like a book of uniforms worn in the Crimean War? I mean, they looked hand-painted. When they showed that first, quote-unquote, sexy, Ricean wedding Ugh. dress, and I was like, why is it Why is it a cartoon? Yep. That's right. They were thinking the same thing, man. They're like, just like, uh, you know, like when you see what the Marines are going to wear. I fucking wish. It's all digital photos now, man. I know they don't do them cool plates no more I don't know what about the book what about the book publishers who are making those books are they still in that business I mean maybe but I don't have a job right now I'm not buying that kind of book I will again in the future (laughs) that's right I'm not saying I won't have I do like looking at those plates (sighs) yeah like uh, here's what uh, the Prussians wore Uh uh, in in whatever continental war is happening you're like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. got it not gonna commit this to memory but i'm gonna look at it 50 more times when cisco agrees to officiate ram and lita's wedding he probably should take the time to specify that he's officiating as ben cisco and not as the emissary right because this sets a precedent where he's gonna have to do a bajoran wedding every day like, yeah. Lita's not the only one who would be honored to get married by the emissary. And when the rich and powerful people of Bajor find out <laughs> that yes, he married either he'll a be doing f- a lot of weddings or a lot of He married a Ferengi like... and a Dabo girl. <laughs> a lot of, like you said, well-to-do Bajorans are going to get turned down by yeah. the emissary. He's going to be gonna go getting well. a lot of requests that have been rooted from the Bajoran government to Starfleet back down to Ben Sisko. Yeah. Um... It was weird the first time, and it's weird this time, that Yamak Sauce comes in rapages. <laughs> someone was, I don't understand a lot of the choices they make, but so I was well, playing I, around with a thesaurus or something. What I'm asking you, Matt, is does my junk drawer have 10,000 rapages of bad-tasting soy sauce from ordering yes. Chinese food here for 14 years? Yep. Yes, okay. And, and duck sauce and everything else. Uh-huh. Yep. It just all goes in that one drawer. Rapages. Rapages. <laughs> you should tell people about all the rapages you have. I thought it was weird how Odo said he, quote, wasn't going to try to advance the romance subplot during the current <laughs> crisis. But then what does he know about romance? Like He probably says the wrong thing all the time. Yeah, he's always reading those books, too, those romance novels. So that makes sense that that's how he'd think of it. You know what he's not reading that I wish he would and then describe to me? The weird Cardassian thrillers. Oh, God, I wish I could remember the names of those offhand. They sounded good as hell. 
Uh, I still mega gross to see Garrett kiss Zial. Yep. Don't understand the she, ages and don't like it either way. She doesn't get any less 19 years old. And you know what I mean? He, yep. And his spy history means he goes back a ways. Yeah. A ways. Exactly. Uh, he, Hard to know. He had something to do with the downfall of Gul Dukat's father. Yep. Which, by the way, is Zial's grandfather. So <laughs> think about that. Yes, right. Yeah, it's uh, not good. It's not good. Nothing about that is good, but it is sci-fi writers, and that's just the shit that they do. Um, last week, the okay, can't yeah, go ahead. Well, not. I wish I could remember the names of those novels that Garrick was talking about, but also the way he described them made them sound super good. Uh, they definitely. But this sounded like I would read at least one. Bashir was like, "But you already know what happened," and he's like, "Yeah, that's the fucking point." <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, oh, that's exactly what I would have said." <laughs> um. Last week, the dumb, dumb idiot writers of this show had Nog say, lions and geigers and bears. <clears throat> yeah. And then have Jake say, oh my. This week, they had Nog rephrase the famous Hill of Beans speech from Casablanca. Yeah. You mean Rom. Yeah. Rom. Yep. Either Rom or Nog or Glug or whatever. <laughs> Grog. Grog. <laughs> Um, anyway, they had Grog re- rephrase that, that scene from Casablanca. And I, I know, although he paraphrased it enough that it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't word for word, but it, it wasn't was in universe, a uh, thing where who I forget who even was there to hear it, but it wasn't in the universe where Lita said, is that Casablanca? <laughs> it was still like, knock yeah. it off. Yeah. They got to stop. You got to, you got to quit that. Um, then of course, Gul Dukat calls Cisco to gloat before he shows up and he says, Captain Cisco, I see you've noticed my Oculus Rift. <laughs> Perhaps you'd like to hear about my Beat Saber high score. I assure you it's most impressive. <laughs> that thing just perched on his shoulder like a parrot the whole time and no one fucking talks about it. He and Wayun, I know you guys aren't watching these episodes. Gul Dukat and Wayun, for the first time we've ever seen, have these weird shoulder mounted monopods. With strange little beep boop binoculars on the end of them, just sitting I guess on you're their shoulders. Look through the binoculars, but we all see them do it. I think this is technical. We saw in the episode where there was that upside down Jem'Hadar ship. They were like, uh-huh. "There's no view screen. Yeah. There's no panels." Right? The regular Jem'Hadar don't get any information about what's going on outside. I think this is how Jem'Hadar ships are commanded. Yeah, is yes. like that's the interface where that the the privileged commanders get to use to see what you know on a federation ship anyone could see but i think they have made some changes because <laughs> damar seems like he's not wearing one of those and he's got a lot of stuff going on that he's yes. talking about it but still ducat and wayun are wearing them but they never looked through them yeah they got the special command periscopes i guess probably because they couldn't find a way to make those things fucking telescope over there and get in their faces well then there was a scene where a bunch of rom's throat makeup was coming off <laughs> Like, I clearly, I didn't notice it had rubbed off on his collar, but then they oh, were okay. shooting him from below while he was looking up and working in a conduit. And I was just like so distracted by how much of his white throat you could see through his very orange Ferengi makeup. Imagine how much sweating you do in that dumb get up 
with all the makeup on and everything. Man, <laughs> well, I'd I mean, be surprised if you could ever keep your makeup on. We got some tight close-ups. Like, this show is not in HD. We got some tight close-ups on Rom, and both the Bajoran engineer's uniform that he's wearing and his little headpiece appear to be made out of carpet. Yeah, I can't This thing good. cannot be comfortable, and not only must you sweat in it a bunch, but I <clears> bet it abrades your skin. Oh, yeah. I bet it's hella nasty. Like, you I just get a rug burn every time you wear it. I bet at the end of the day, you smell and you feel like shit, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I was, uh, our buddy Yerk, it's pronounced Yerk, or I'm with Kirk. Is it now? Yep. Um, he was, uh, he was talking about how in, uh, Ensign Rose ridges change over the years. And, um, in the beginning, she's got, like, these little, like, longhorn looking things above the ridges that go into her brow. And then by the, her last appearance, that's totally gone and all. She's got his nose stuff, and that ends up being what all Bajorans afterward right. have. It's just the nose stuff. But they had some forehead stuff to start. But I guess she kept sweating under the makeup and everything, and the things kept, like, peeling up uh-huh. and, like, sticking out. And so eventually they just, for the, they couldn't keep doing the, the retouching her makeup all the time. And, like, the things themselves kept, like, falling apart beyond repair. So they just had to cut it down to just nose ridges. She and ends I was just up like, yeah, man. All these people must be sweating like crazy on this fucking show. Yeah, you're right. That she ends up nothing but a few nose ridges and a haircut. Yep. But still, Katie was uh, binging Prison Break recently. Yeah, and I guess Michelle Forbes is in it at some point, and she's like, "Hey, is this Rolaren?" And I came out, and it's Rolaren's voice for sure. But without the haircut and the nose ridges, I was like, "Yeah, that's her." But <laughs> I guess that's her. I guess that's her. How come she's not the? Uh... I don't know. I should have asked. I don't know. Is she being an absolute king? Is it just king <laughs> shit nonstop? Because then it's her. Because it's 100% her and I don't need to see it. I yeah. just know. <laughs> um, I'm so glad that I'm not going to have to describe the constant CG battle scenes that make up the rest of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> they do as soon as it started and work. I was like, oh man, if I had to describe this, I'd be like... And then what looks like maybe a Cardassian Yukata-class frigate <laughs> crashes into Deep Space Nine, but nothing happens. Done nothing happened. Done nothing Shields happened. Just, Shields took the hit And on then that. they got the big Jem'Hadar ships and the little Jem'Hadar ships, and it's like, uh, oh, now, now Deep Space Nine can fire 50 torpedoes at once, and it's yeah, wiping them out. Yeah, I'm not going to describe out. any of that. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, I'm so glad I don't have to, because I know I would. Yeah. And I saw two Galaxy-class ships in the fleet. Yeah, man, they're just going to be all over this fucking place. And also a bunch of uh, Akiras. All you need to know is at one point, Cisco will say something like, Galaxy wings, yeah. move in closer and protect. <laughs> like, wait, how many wings of Galaxy-class starships do we have here? Oh, a wing, a Galaxy wing might just have one Galaxy-class starship in it. Well... Like the, a carrier the, group has the, one The CG carrier, evidence right? says more. Well, we'll see. My <laughs> point was, there's plenty of Mirandas and other trash in this, though, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, No, no, no. Mirandas apparently are here to... They must have had a, just in the desert, just rotting away so many Mirandas that they were able to bring back. They must have been just, like, much cheaper to make than Constitutions. And then they were yeah. like, I don't know, that one went nose to nose with the Enterprise pretty good. And it good. seemed fine. So, yeah. like... If it's cheaper and it's just as good, let's it's, just make it's it. It's cheap, it's compact, Miranda. it uses less crew. Because uh, you're going to see 
uh, I don't know, 150 Mirandas in the next two seasons get shot once and explode. So we're, we're kind of like at a detente with the Klingon Empire right now. Maybe we should refocus on just building these light cruisers or whatever. <laughs> but there do seem to be a lot of them still in service. You're going to see so many get blown up with one shot in the next two years. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. And then you go, why though? Just use a different ship. That one can only take one hit. <laughs> I gave best actor to Ducat. Uh, he's really doing some good work. This one, Wei Yun, also a candidate. Um, sure. Worst actor this week. Well, it feels like beating her up, but it's Lita. <laughs> like. <laughs> she's not good. War is coming and everyone is saying hard goodbyes and she's still doing sex pouting. Yeah. That's what they got her for. I know. I just, uh, I just want Chase Masterson to be different than Lita. Yeah. Maybe she is. I don't know anything about her. Um, I will say everyone talks about how good DS9 gets, and I disagree. But <laughs> uh, it is important if you want to be a good show to have good villains. Yes. And I think at least for a while they've got some of those. Yeah, at some and point, we know Ducat becomes the literal Bajoran devil or whatever. The other shows barely do, right? Uh, TNG has got they got Q. random guys who show up every once in they a while. they got Q. They've got Tomalock, but just in three episodes. Yeah. And they got, uh, yeah, they got David Warner. Kind of. Yeah, right. But they're just randos. They just kind of pop in and out. They're yeah. not really around. They're gonna have, we're going to have bad guys around for a while, and we're going to see a lot of shit from their point of view. And at least they got some decent performances so that you're not just every time those guys pop on, you don't go, ah, oh, fucking God, here right. we go. Yeah. Voyager. It was kind of like how on Enterprise... Every single time there was a scene with um, that's indie guy. I know, and no, I don't remember, I don't remember, his, remember name his name even a little bit. Not but, not his buddy, the primate counselor who didn't no, have a name. Not him. <laughs> no, the main guy. Whenever he showed, we were like, "Well, he was the best part of this episode again." Yep. Like, at least we weren't mad when he showed up. We were mad when it went back to the Enterprise crew. Uh, we did not feel that way about uh, the Vulcan ambassador, though. We, no, I mean, sure, we all loved his turn at the end when it turned out he was a melder also, and all of a sudden he was 100% in. Yeah, he was all, he was all in style on Archer in. and everything. Yeah. So, so lock. I don't know so if that's right. Sovol, yeah, that sounds better. So lock, I think, might have been a bad Ferengi or something. Anyway. Um, so, anyway, you'll at least be able to look forward to Mark Alamo and uh, uh, Jeffrey Combs and... Uh, Stuff like that, Damar, whatever. You don't mean Dolem, the rec- the reptilian. No, you uh, mean the main, the guy, Degra. The guy was around. Degra. Every time that guy was around, we're like, he's the, he's the best thing going on in this show. Yeah, he, we, he pretty much was. They should just have more Degra content. Did we rate him really high up on the final actor list? Oh, that's a like? it's a good question. Uh, yeah, I gotta scroll Enterprise, off Enterprise actor, actor rankings. Rankings. We've Yeah, he's number one. <laughs> yeah, we have Degra at number one. He was only in one season and didn't even live the whole season. We have him number one on that show. We each we agreed number one. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I mean. That would be it. Would kind of be like that. You know, maybe maybe Garrick would get up there or whatever. I mean, looking at the current DS Nine rankings. Let me go back over. If you go to the current DS Nine actor rankings, Garrick's one, but Ducat's two. 
So right. yeah. yeah, having more Ducat, I think, is a good thing. And, and we'll we have win in pretty high seven. Up. She could maybe go higher. We'll see what the next couple of seasons have but to. We'll see. You know, bring. maybe there's a, a chance for Wayun to get up there. He's you know, we have on Eddington down at second last in this one, and that we must have last done this before his important episodes. Yeah, I think that's probably right. We haven't done it in a long time. Also, so, we have we have Cassidy right above him, but we ain't. She ain't been around in a grip. Yeah, been a while for her. She's um, been around lately. Yeah, you know, maybe Damar or somebody. Yeah, you know, like they, there's going to be yeah, chances for room. some of the villains. There's so. room for sure. Uh, uh, did, I, do, I guess you have I quick have hitters, right? Ones. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's an acting thing. Uh, for like best actor or whatever, but best line was Rom ending that meeting with. I have to go to waste extraction. Yep. <laughs> After O'Brien and Dax make him excuses to go do important stuff, and they they're like on a mission, and they rush out of that room. No silly music is playing or anything. It's actually well done that he just says to nobody, "I better go to waste extraction," and just walks out. <laughs> yep. I like that too. Um, that's the only quick header I had. <clears throat> I had to describe this episode where things were constantly fucking popping off. <sighs> All right, well, the uh, scores we are in. Yeah, but what's important is how did we do? Did we do well today? I mean, we want, we're going to be, it's gonna have to move quick to get out of here under three hours. So, <laughs> you know, at the very least, it's one of the longer recent episodes. And, well, we agreed on the episode order. So we I did. Think that means we did well. Um, yeah, in last place this week with 14 points, which, again, is not good, but, you know. They've scored worse recently. Yep. The worst thing I've ever seen on television, Voyagers, <laughs> Tinker Tenor, Dr. Spy. I love that because of the rubric is the worst thing you've ever seen on television, but it's only like a kind of bad Voyager. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we can, do, we can do this. Let me just do this real quick. Uh, Matthew, how many episodes have scored worse than oh, Tinker Tenor, Dr. Spy? Not just a Voyager of any project here. That we've done. Oh, um, shit. I mean, I mean, I feel like a lot of Voyager episodes have. Um, 20. No, nah, it's like 30. It's basically, Damn. I haven't done the exact count, but it's 30, let's say. All right. Well, and 14's I, bad, but there have been a lot of bad ones. If I filter it to just Voyager episodes, then oh, it is. So that's still most of them. So now I'll say 20. <laughs> 14. All right. Well, this is so far only the 15th worst Voyager episode, according to the rubric, but I stand by my assessment. I would rather watch The Swarm. I would rather watch Coda. Okay, I but, would rather but, but, watch. But, 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 but. I don't think Chaotica. it's as bad as Living Witness, the one where they said, what if the Jews were responsible? <laughs> That's not Living. No, that Isn't is Living it? Witness. Yeah. I think that's the one I gave zero. <laughs> yeah, that one was tough for sure. I blanked that one. <laughs> and I listen, I gave that one five. five I gave this one six. <laughs> yep. I'm sorry. I just so you know, yes, I understand it was deplorable and yeah. maybe have been even a worse watching experience, you're correct. But there was one uh, there was an episode where they said the Jews were responsible for the Holocaust and maybe the blacks are responsible for their lot as well. Yeah. And then you just look around and you go, Oh no. <laughs> I don't think I can give any points. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, second place this week with 30 points. Um, they've been on a pretty bad swing lately. Bef yeah, I this mean, is 
but the, the first this. duty scored big and um yeah okay so they had three good episodes in a row starting with the outcast and then three real stinkers and this one's just a 30 but it's a let's call it a slight return to form yeah riding the ship a little bit yeah not perfect but they're maybe back on uh back on target and in fact i did see that next week is the next phase Yes. And if you got Roe and Jordy on the case. There's a possibility that some stuff's going to happen there. You could have something good going on. After that's the inner light, which people like. People do like the inner light. So you never know. They could be going into something. Uh, and then Time's Arrow, which is the... <laughs> the um, this is the last episode of Deep Space Nine Season 5. Time's Arrow will be the last episode of TNG Season 5. I so. cannot we believe that one can score points. Three, but maybe it will. <laughs> Time's Arrow Part 1? It seems unlikely. Know. It's hard to I hard to fathom that there are a lot of points in there. I will say this about Time Zero Part One: uh, Picard is not pretending that he's an actor, <laughs> unlike its successor. Yeah. Uh, the winner this week with thirty nine points, Deep Space Nine, called arms. Uh, last week, something happened where the mode, the, uh, the most common winning score, changed from forty to thirty six. Whoa. So now Deep Space Nine's uh, 39 points this week is better than both the mean and the mode. So I think we can say of, of the winning episodes. So I think we can say this is an above genuinely average episode. Good, generally above average episode. Like above average even for the winners. Yeah. that's uh, For a for long that. time, the most common winning score was 40. I mean, look, you gave it a nice dark green 20. I did. Not the darkest green, but you no. know, a good, a solid green. Uh, yeah, I don't issue too many 20s, is what yeah. that indicates. So, um, That is Deep Space Nine's 42nd win. They're now only eight back from the next generation again. Mm-hmm. Um, we, have, play. we have uh, 41 remaining episodes of, no, wait, 46 remaining episodes of Voyager. So because TNG didn't win, their magic number is still the same. Yeah. Voyager uh, no, still... 168 is endgame. So we have... Includes 123, though, right? So isn't that still 46? Yeah, that's still 46, yeah. So I think the math hasn't changed on them. Yep. Yeah. So either a TNG... They're still technically in it. A TNG win will still make it impossible for Voyager to get to a tie, but... and. Well, don't they still have to, I mean, if they don't win next week and they're 46 behind and they're only 45 weeks up, that'll be it. Their magic number's uh, one. Yeah, their magic number's one, yeah. Exactly. So they they are still in it, but it is, I mean, they better start winning. <laughs> and look, they're not gonna. And it's gonna be no. a race between the next generation and Deep Space Nine, and it's again, been that seems, way for a long time, but... It seems like it's in play, though. I mean, uh, I don't really think strongly about TNG Season 6 and 7. no. So. No, and people say this is when Deep Space Nine gets good, and we know this is when TNG gets um, masks. Yeah, it gets pretty sour. It gets pretty it gets sour on Dark TNG. Page. Gets it gets Realm of Fear, Week Realm 127, of fear. Watch Out. Man of the People. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, Relic Schisms. True Fistful you. of Datas. What are the odds that one's going to pull up big? Uh-oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, they yeah. get some chains of, chains of command in there. That's okay. Aquiel, another good look for Jordy. Yeah. <laughs> uh face of the enemy. There's some lessons. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's it's a mixed bag, but it might be enough. We'll Suspicions see. is the one you were referring to earlier. Yes, where uh uh Dr. Riga goes to pound town on Beverly behind the scenes. We don't really they don't talk about that. Oh liaisons. Oh fantastic. That's a, gonna be a great one. 
Uh, which one's that again? I'm pretty sure that's the one where uh, the three ambassadors take on different Ooh. personalities. That's a tough one. That's yeah. that's the one where they really needed Scott Thompson, and only Voyager corrected that later and got Scott Thompson. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the, um, you know, the episode where they only got points because Scott Thompson was in it. And let's not forget in episode 165, Sub Rosa. Yeah, where it's a, I, like I said, it's a mixed yeah. it's a mixed bag, and that exactly. might be enough to hold an eight point lead. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens for with Deep Space Nine. But they won this week, and that's what matters. Yeah. The next time we get together, yes, we will discuss the next phase. Jordy mm-hmm. and Rogue get put out of phase with the rest of the universe and get to watch except everyone. The bottom of their feet. Deal except the bottom of their feet. And get to watch everyone deal with the emotional uh, aftermath of their passing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Deep Space Nine, the season six uh, kickoff with uh, opener with a time to stand. Yeah. And um, I will be describing the Voyager episode, Alice. And I saw the teaser image and the little description, and I am so fucking happy it is you describing this i know you're happy that you don't have to describe voyager again until riddles yeah that at least is vague enough that i'm not sick to my stomach thinking about (laughs) it but i again after having seen the the teaser image and description i'm like fuck you i will say you can eat shit next week i don't remember it currently but i was (laughs) not pleased when i saw it well it's tom paris related yeah and maybe it's about a computer girlfriend he has. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> the idea sucks. That's what we'll be discussing next week. Congratulations to Japan for winning the 2023 yes. World Baseball Classic. I have ordered their hat. It was full of drama, I hear. I did not watch any. In accordance with a pledge I made to uh, Matthew in the year 2008. I mean, it was a long time ago for sure. Regarding my support for international baseball, that will be my primary hat. Until That's the next an, I mean, one. Have you seen it? Is it a good hat? No, because I couldn't get the team hat because they were already sold out. So I've just got the Damn. champions hat. So it's not great. Yeah, okay. So that's not great. But yeah, yeah, you did make a pledge, just like I pledged to make my primary hat that uh, Orlando Apollo's hat. <laughs> and uh, I did. I mean, the, I haven't made the little boy wear it not long ago. So it's out there. People are seeing it and they probably keep mistaking it for an Orioles hat, but it is not. It's an Orlando Apollos hat. Those All right. leaders at midseason or whenever that dumb league went belly up. <laughs> yep. Yep. I wore the hat of a five and three football team from a league no one will ever know existed. Anyway. Uh send us mail. We do still do the mailbags. Because, I guess, we might get a random one. Yeah. Let us know um, who you are. That's not to throw any shade at Ryan. We appreciate his uh, his active participation. But it is interesting to see one just pop out of the blue like that. Um, yeah, feel free to write back. Um, that's uh, at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. Twitter has threatened to break a few times, but has not broken. So, uh, keep sending it there. We are on the Mastodon. Yeah. It's yeah. a 10 forward... Yeah, at brotherdate at tenforward.social. Yeah. Um, you can send us email, brothers at brotherdate.com. You can go to brotherdate.com 
and you can sort all the Voyager episodes by how fucking terrible they are, from kind of terrible to very terrible. I think if you view Lander, you can't sort it yourself. You might have to make a copy in order to sort it, but please feel free. Um, and, uh, and that's it. As you believe, so shall you do, so shall you do. As, As you, you believe, believe, so shall you do. Darlene, I told you I didn't get herpes from that waitress. <laughs> it was, I, it I was got a, it from our Commodore 64. <laughs> it was an HP. I got genital herpes from our Commodore 64. That slut. Please subscribe.